Today's show is brought to you by James Brood Rooftop Tents. Are you wanting to spend your nights in the wild in superior comfort and convenience? Look no further than James Brood Rooftop Tents. Their premium European design and manufactured tents are built to last. And with a 30 second setup and a one minute pack down time, you'll have more time to relax by the fire after a long day of exploring with friends or family. Their hard shell tents are not only incredibly strong and lightweight, but they also feature a sleek and aerodynamic design that will turn heads at any campsite. Plus, with a five-year warranty, they stand behind the quality and durability of their products. So why wait? Check out their range of rooftop tents and camping accessories today at jamesbrood.com.au. Don't just camp, elevate your adventure with James Brood Rooftop Tents. G'day and welcome to the Hunting Connection Podcast. My name is Zach Williams and I am your host. Here we'll connect you with hunters, fishers and outdoor enthusiasts from around the globe. This podcast will share hunting and fishing stories including past experiences and tackle the tough hunting stereotypes our community faces. We hope to be a positive influence to those outside the community while also having a laugh along the way. Hope you enjoy the podcast. G'day and welcome to another episode of Hunting Connection Podcast. Tonight I've got a really special guest on tonight, um, someone that I've been wanting on since day dot when I started the podcast. I've had his name in my notes um, of potential guests since then, but first Send It Mate Podcast got got onto him first, so I thought I'd give some downtime before I got him on, and then Matt got him on. Um, so... I gave it a few more months and we've finally got him on. We got Jason Spencer from Hunt Catch Cook. How are you going, mate? <laughs> Zach, how are you, mate? Hunting good. connection. That sounds good. Plug it in. <laughs> Get ready for a ride, mate. Plug it in. This is it. This is where it's coming from, mate, with Hunt Catch Cook. Uh it's gonna be a good it's gonna be a cracker, mate. You wanna wanna listen to this one. It's gonna be good. How are you, mate? <laughs> good, mate. Been a good. While. It has, it has. You've you've probably been one of my longest connections in the Australian hunting connect in the hunting industry, um, so can to I speak. Swear, can I swear on this podcast? Yeah, yeah, not a problem. <laughs> I feel like, like a, maybe I'm a podcast slut. <laughs> <laughs> well, you would have to um, compete with uh, – you'll have to fight Cody Gearon with, uh, with that title. He's uh, known okay. as the uh, local um, hunting industry podcast slut or as we <laughs> refer to him as the podstitute. Perfect, perfect. Now here I am in connections. Now here I am in connections. That's actual gay bar over in Western Australia called Connections, mate. Hunting Connections podcast. That's mad. That's going to be a a meme when this this airs. Cody's also our um our resident meme maker as well. So (laughs) brilliant. I love it. But yeah, as as I was saying, you're you're the um probably the the longest connection I've had in the um Australian hunting industry. Um, back when you it was probably just just before you got your controversy about all the all the donkey stuff. Um, I started uh, yeah. just a Facebook group called Hunt Catch Cook South Australia, and then I I, I get this message saying, hey. I've, I've I've got the uh, the rights to that name. Do you mind changing it? <laughs> I'm like, nah, nah, all well, good. Okay. And then I uh, yeah, so we go back we go back a long time, mate. Yeah, yeah, a long time. 
that's pretty cool. And then I uh, changed things over to uh, Williams and Co. Bow hunting and fishing, and had a good run on that page. Um, yep. That that got shut down after my catraversy stuff, all of the uh, feral catch <laughs> shooting stuff. Facebook decided to shut that page down at fourteen thousand. 14,000 people which was a spewing but hey it led on to uh, bigger and better things me starting a podcast so we're uh, two year, two two and a half bit years into this now so excellent it's quite it's, it's funny how um you know some people think uh you know social media it's kind of crazy and we'll go down a rabbit hole here I'm sure of it but it's uh you know what people deem as uh entertainment is uh, mind blowing. It absolutely is. You know, uh, you shot the feral cat, and but they don't see the big picture. You know, and you can put the social media. I've seen so much rubbish on there. Uh, <laughs> it's just humans, you know, hurting other people, and um, you know the atrocities throughout the world. But uh, I don't know. I can raise the eyebrows of I think it was three hundred thousand people for shooting a donkey. <laughs> A feral donkey, that is, and it was all on Christmas Day, and uh, and they started a um, they started a petition at my local gun uh, at the local police station. <laughs> there was a call to start a petition, and I actually rang the police station up, wanted to sign my own petition. I thought it was funny as fuck, and uh, and um, the cop said, "No, nah, mate, you, there's no petition here. They're just taking the piss." And I'm like, "Ah, oh. I was kind of disappointed because." <laughs> Like I was getting right into it, you know, and uh, I ate the donkey, mind you, but um, I just couldn't see sense in in how people were had no idea of this. And I think it was, I think they were French. I've been banned from France anyway. They want to kill me. They want to kill my children. <laughs> um, if you ever come to France, you're dead. I'm going to try and find you and kill you. And oh, this was pretty good. But it went on. And anyway, but never mind. That's so. Some people are just funny how it works. But here I am. I'm still alive and kick. Only just still alive and kicking, and uh, and still doing podcasts, still cooking, still shooting, still hunting. And the good thing is, 14 years now, been doing this without going to a butcher shop. So That's uh, this is what I think. I think my 14th, maybe my 15th year. I've I've lost. I oh, know it's around 14 or 15 this year. Um, Without you know actually going to the butcher shop and getting meat for the family, so that's been pretty cool. That's so good, man. Um, you know you're you're definitely a trendsetter in the um, Australian hunting world. That's for sure. You know, it's that's that's how I reckon I got on the the anti hunters radar was um you know backing you for uh, shooting the don- donkey. I think uh, it went you Izzy Sesto and then me. Um, we're all on that same page. Um, yeah, I, I sent um, I sent Izzy a shirt. Like, I said thanks, cheers for your help. Hey, thanks for that. And uh, I sent her a shirt. And I followed I followed quite a lot of stuff she did too. And she, she was um, I don't know. It was she was cool before hunting was cool. Like she was out getting a monster and uh, you 100%. know some really good kills. Yeah, uh, for a female too. And um, great looking chick and, and just you know great attitude. And rang her up and had a chat a couple of times and. So what are you doing? I said, listen, uh, can you send us some photos of wearing one of my shirts and that? And she's like, yeah, cool, no problem. Really nice. I haven't spoken to her for a long time. I haven't seen her on social media either. I've got her there somewhere. Every now and then something will pop up, but oh, yeah, she's, I don't know what she's doing. 
she's still out there, man. Uh, she's uh, fishing every single day, pretty much. She's she's yeah, const- loves fishing. constantly yeah, yeah, fishing. Sure. Loves the fishing. Beautiful, was, and it's really good. She was all over the news not long ago for um, a. Uh, a great white shark taking a bit of a tuna and she called the shark an idiot or something like that. So that, that upset <laughs> some people. Upset. Yeah. As you would, I eh? <laughs> call your shark an idiot. Yeah. That'd, that'd kill you, wouldn't it? Oh, I know. It's, it was hilarious. It blows my mind. It blows my mind, mate. It really does. So, uh, other than that, um, yeah, in a nutshell, yeah, that's, uh, that's what's, <laughs> where were we? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, We'll jump straight so into the I first am. question. We're, we're, we didn't even get into that before the first tangent, which is great, which is <laughs> what I like in a podcast. For people who don't know who you are, which I'd find it pretty hard for people not to know who you are, being in the, um, like, if they know anything about the Australian hunting industry, where are you from, Jason? So I'm Perth born and raised, um, and I'm over in Western Australia at the moment. Um, so I'm a local Perth boy. Um, seventh generation, come off the boat, come off the boat in shackles. No, we weren't in shackles. We're not prisoners, but uh, free settlers. And, um, you know, and I'm, that's that's me really in a nutshell. Um, out of su- suburbs of Perth, grew up, uh, you know, 70s, 80s. Um, I'm not going to tell you. Do I have to tell you my age? No, no, no. It's all good. I, I took That's that right. question out at about a year ago, so. <laughs> oh, really? Okay, right. So, and then um, I, I just grew up shooting with Dad, and um, Dad did a lot of fishing as well. So uh, we had a, a like a, what would you call it, a beach house, holiday home sort of thing in, in the south of Perth in uh, Mandra, which is a little like a coastal suburb out of Perth, uh, which is nearly a suburb of Perth at the moment. So, uh, we'd go. We'd quite often go down there fishing and crabbing, net fishing, uh, fishing off the beach. Um, you know, then then back in in the outer suburbs of Perth, we'd we'd shoot uh, back when you could. You know, the old twenty twos, and 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 we'd go hunting and stuff. Uh, had a little bit of a dairy farm, hobby farm sort of thing. So uh, we're always around firearms. He uh, killed all his own own meat as well. So uh, home kill stuff. And then uh, further in, in life, went to uh, agricultural college and it just kind of – but hunting just grew from there. So it's competition with mates, you know, 17, 18, 16, 17-year-old boys. Hey, let's go and do this. Let's go. We're here for the weekend. Let's go and catch marin in the creek or the river. Let's go for a, a dive, you know, just being boys. Go, uh, we all got ferrets, so we all go ferreting on the weekend uh, catching rabbits, um, you know, and, and you're around farm animals all the time and you just learn the process of this is where the food comes from yeah. and uh, and you become a little bit, I suppose, a self-sufficient mind in that sense. Uh, Mum was always a good cook, so um, she wasn't culinary trained, but she knew how to cook and she could cook for a crowd and she could turn, the old saying, she could turn shit into sugar, mate, and she really did. Some of the meals were just amazing, turned in from, from nothing, turned into, you know, uh, and back in those days, people would turn up without the old, uh, there's no social media devices like texting people saying, oh, what are you doing now? We're on our way. People just knocked on your door and, hey, we, we thought we'd come around for a beer or we're in the neighbourhood, we're driving past on a Sunday and mum would cook for everyone. You know, you, you'd find 
the, the backyard would be full of people on a Sunday afternoon all having beers and drinks and it, it was that's how it was and and uh, so that cooking kind of developed you see your mum being able to cook for people um, and also what you bring home you know and 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 farm of uh, you know the food off the farm sort of thing she could cook and um, you just you you develop that sense of nothing's to waste sort of thing. So that's where my uh, concept come from is really just growing up and being able to say, okay, well, let's do it. That's, this is what you did. This is how, how it is. So it was just, that was just a way of – that was just a lifestyle for us. And, um, and, and that's where the whole hunt, catch, cook sort of thing in the back of my mind started. Uh, then went to America – uh, when I was older and um, I, I had a hunting trip over in America and and their concept of um, game meat is just blows your mind because everything, everyone's wearing camo, everyone. <laughs> like that's just the standard of dress Amazing. is camo. Yeah, and you, you look out of place. If you go to the shop and you haven't got some sort of camo on or you're not driving a big pickup truck, mate, with guns sitting, you know, in the back window, <laughs> Times it you looked out of place where it was anyway in, in uh, Michigan, and it was great. And their concept of uh, game meat was, uh, you know, a source of back then it was a source of protein on the table, so it was good. And, and that's that's kind of where it developed. And 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 from then on, it's just been a roller coaster of 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 me collecting food and showing people how to do it. You know, there's so many people have no idea, and and it kind of even this year came to fruition that. Um, I was on a deer hunting course uh, or with the Deer Association over in Western Australia and uh, somebody had shot a deer uh, and once they'd shot it, they were out on a project and shot the deer. They rang other people up trying to find out what to do <laughs> with the deer. Like where, you know, how do I, what do we do? Where, how, do, how, does, how do we fix it? How do we get it back to the table? How do we make it look good? And that kind of instilled me you know, to to know that I've been doing the right thing. People still don't know what to do with their food. No. And and shooting, it's kind of the easy part. Shooting is the easy part. It is. And, and um, just being able to prepare it and bring it home and feed your family, and and uh, that's, that's, a, that's a little bit hard. That's the part that people don't know, and it's great to actually show people that whole concept and how you can do it, you know, and I went down – uh, just the beginning of this year, actually, went on a deer hunt with some blokes, and we took a um, as a gamble. They said, "Come on, we're going to get deer anyway. Uh, let's take a fridge with us, one of those portable trailers, and we'll, we'll because it was pretty hot. We'll hang the deer in the portable trailer. Anyway, we filled it up. They didn't have a clue what to do with it, but we filled it up. They filled it up, and I cut all the deer up for them, and they everyone went home with meat. And as Beautiful. I was, I was pretty much giving them a, a lesson on cutting it up. And the cuts of meat and showing them what they could do with it uh, and how to cook it and even the back straps, we cut them up and I, I cooked them in camp that night, wrapped up in a bit of bacon and stuff. And they're like, oh, it was probably the best lesson they've had. They said this, you couldn't pay for a course like that just to have somebody with the experience on site to show us exactly how to get that game meat back to the family, you know, and, and the process of doing it. It was great. It was good fun. And I enjoy that. That's where it, Showing people how to do that um, is where it's a, is what it's about for me. You know, actually showing people how to take it and 
and put it on the on the table and and it's really good i i enjoy that out of everything you know out of all my hunting i enjoy, I enjoy that the most yeah it's good well yeah you were the first really in australia that i ever come across to really focus on the food aspect of stuff like before Stephen Ronella was big with meat eater, you know, before all these other stuff, you were the guy, yeah. you were on all the hunting groups, should, you know, showing your cookbook, showing, you know, putting a new recipe up, doing like Facebook lives and, you know, doing kind of like a live podcast with you just cooking and making, making stuff before anyone else was doing doing that like you were the first person in australia showing people how to utilize the game meat you know now well for me it seemed that it was like that's my main reason to get into hunting was the food aspect side of it like i love hunting i love being out there i love the food yeah. but you were the the first person out there you know people were showing you know quote-unquote trophy shots and stuff like that and you know they might dump the meat afterwards or whatever you know or they they ate the meat, but they just, you know, didn't post any photos up of what they actually made with it. You were there posting, you know, all this beautiful presented meals and, you know, all these these small goods and, you know, sausage rolls and freaking everything, you know. I tried to, I tried, you know, I'll sit here um, it, just in my office, there's cookbooks everywhere and, um and the girlfriend says, "I'll oh, put you know on TV. Do you want to watch your porn?" And she'll just—it's cooking shows, mate. She'll just put <laughs> cooking shows on. It's just on stream every twenty all the time. In my in my house, there's a cooking show going on on the TV, and um, yeah, you know that's what it's like. I, I just for me, I suppose, if, and, and like for everyone, food's a culture, that, and you don't understand this. It's something you do three times a day. People, people are like, oh. You know that this is part of your heritage. Is is food, in some way, in the next couple of hours you'll be eating. You'll be you. You know what I mean? Like you just come back to it all the time. That's we have it. to. We got to survive. We got food. But then to connect your passion with the food, and then be able to connect your family with your passion through food or friends through food to your passion is extremely important for me anyway. Um, and then having um, having cooked it, and you know, having saw seen mum as when I was growing up, having seen mum just present nice meals on the table, and you think, well, how did you do that? You know, that that looked shit when we when I first saw it, <laughs> and now look at it, it kind of looks edible. It, it's it's about taking your time and presenting it in presentation because ninety nine percent, as you may well know that 99% of your eating is done with your eyes in the first 10 minutes. So if it looks really nice, you're like, yeah, I'd love to smash that. That's going to be awesome. And and it usually is. It's nice and tasty. If it looks good, it's pretty much good. But it's that connection. For me, right down in steep inside, that's what it's about. It's my connection to food and connection to my passion through food. And it's a, it's a culture, and, and that, I love it. I just it cannot – I cannot – get enough of it. I can't show people enough of this shit. And 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 it's always been like that. It's always Zach, it's it's always been oh yeah, so you hunt. I could be the hunter like just everyone else. Look at the mainstream, oh yeah, you know, I'm just like you. Or yeah, sure, you shot something bigger than me. What did you do with it? And that sets me that sets me aside from other people. Like, okay, you might have got it. You might have done this. Yeah, okay, I got one too, but what did you do with yours? Because look what I did with mine, you know. 
and and it's cool. And I get comments all the time like, oh, mate, I saw you. Hey, and people don't even ask me how you go. They just see what I cook. They went, <laughs> oh, I've seen you've been eating crabs this week, mate. Yeah. Oh, man, where's mine? Oh, what have I done here? You know, and I'll say, oh, that looked bloody beautiful. Or even when I go to work, people say, oh, that was beautiful. And I end up taking people to work. I think everyone where I work has eaten the sausages that I make. That's amazing. I know that. Speaking of what, some, what do you do? Yeah, for, what do you do for work? And then also, how did hunt? Like you said, the the basis of hunt catch cook was because of your your mum and her her showing the um, food and that. How did hunt catch cook come around as well? Yeah, so um, I'm a I'm a boilermaker welder. Uh, run my own business at the moment, so um, I'm in the scrap steel industry. Uh, just did a maintenance repairs at the moment. Um, have been in the mining industry for a while, uh, for a long time. Um, but I'm back in back in suburbia. I was doing FIFO for a while um, and hunting on my days off when I first started. Uh, hence the reason I had enough time to write two books um, because I was sitting in a little room in the middle of a desert on days off <laughs> writing cookbooks. It's amazing. Uh, and then and then when I'd come home on my breaks, I'd go and try and get that meat and um if it wasn't getting the meat hunting the meat uh i was well i I did i went and got it and then i'd started cooking i'd take photos take it all back to site with me and sit there in my room again because you get stuck in the vicious triangle of just going to the boozer and then back in sleep and then back to work and then back to the boozer and i was trying to get out of that mindset of just drinking a lot on mine sites uh because it's a cultural thing up there they do that and it's hot bloody weather so I'd spend a lot of time back in the room in front of a computer on Facebook or whatever, uh, just just writing books and and writing yeah writing my notes and I have tons and tons of books, and um, and that's what I did yeah so um, boilermaker yeah trained boilermaker welder, and um, and how did I get into hunt catch cook or how did it develop? I suppose through that um, yeah. Just the, the means of you know sitting. Uh, originally, uh, I was in a I was on a mine site in a remote mine, and I was welding. And um, it started raining, and I got rained off. And, and I went back into the shed, and I was working with a little uh, I say little. He's only a small bloke at the time, a little Filipino guy, and um, and we were both sitting there, and it was free. It was actually bloody cold. It was in winter, and I remember the mine site, and. Um, and we're huddled up in this sea container, uh, middle of the night on night shift, and pouring with rain. We got rained off, and I had a notepad and a pencil, a pen there, and uh, and I bored shitless. And I thought, oh, I'll just write a recipe down for something, and uh, and that was just at the, um, I suppose back in that was in 2012. So just the start of Facebook was coming out. Uh, I think, you know, it was only a couple of years before that, maybe 12 months before that Facebook had been invented sort of thing. So I wanted, a, a, you know, people, oh, yeah, a Facebook profile or whatever, and people were just starting up their Facebook pages and stuff. And, and I said, I'd like to be able to have a Facebook thing where I just showed people how to how to do what my passion is. Yeah. Uh, before that, you know, I just had lots of notes in books um, I had photos that I'd taken and put in an album, 
of things that I killed. Like, and, and you know, you show everyone your photo album sort of thing when they come around and very few people had seen all the pigs that I caught or anything that I'd shot, um, you know, stupid photos that you'd take them out on hunting trips with mates. And I thought, well, um, yeah, maybe I'll just write a page. And so I started doing a recipe and stuff, uh, writing some few things down. And I was talking to him and I said, what's your favourite food? And um, he, it was, um, I'm trying to think of the name they call it. It was crispy pork. He was talking about the whole pig and it's got a crispy sauce to it, lechon. I think it's called lechon or something where they based it in that, that like it's like an orange sauce. It goes all crispy, this whole okay. pig. They spit roast it, you know, or something like that. Anyway, some some name he had for it. It was beautiful. It was be- absolutely. And he was showing me and, he, you know, that was their cultural thing. And he said, oh, um, you know, he's, the words. And, and I've got a recipe, uh, that sort of a Thai recipe in, in one of my books that I use goat for and that had a paste in it and stuff. And um, just out of... Like as as a memory, I just put that in one of my cookbooks, my first cookbook that went in there because it, it just I remember. Then I know how to when I'm looking at my cookbook. I, oh yeah, that's why it all started because of this guy, you know. So <laughs> and and I was sitting in that sea container and writing these recipes down. And I went home and I and I thought, oh, um, I'll start a Facebook page and I'll call it. I don't know. What do I call it? Uh, well, I like hunting, so it's got to have the word hunt in it and it's got to have cooking in it because you've got to hunt it and cook it. So maybe hunt it and cook it, hunt it. What about fishing? Hunt. Oh, three words, pretty much hunt, catch, cook. That'll do. So hunt, catch, cook, and I started that. And I drew my own cover photo, right, so my own cover picture. I've got on a uh, on my website there's an Aboriginal dot painting, which is my own painting. Yeah. I, I drew my own painting, right? So my own dot painting. And um, anyway, I started it, and I that's pretty cool, radio. So I started typing uh, recipes out, and back then you could just type them out. I could type the recipe out, and I could put photos with it. That was pretty cool. And um, I think I started a little bit of a web page, um, but it was pretty basic, and all my recipes were free. So yeah, and, and you could go on. Then it had a link, and you could go onto my this. And get all these recipes for nothing. It was great. And I was just showing people all the recipes and stuff. And there was millions of recipes on there. And uh, and I'd, I'd just upload these recipes in, in my room back after I'd shot something. And uh, started uploading photos. And and I, I had 100 people on this Facebook page. You know, guys, I think it was most of the guys at work. They were, like, liking it. And that was pretty <laughs> cool. They're like, Jace, you're getting pretty good, mate. you got 100 people. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool, eh? And um, plodding along, and then there was a guy, uh, I can't think of his name now, and it's, I will, halfway through this podcast, I'll think of the guy's <laughs> name. And he was doing a pig hunting video, uh, and he was pretty good at it, and he's travelled from New Zealand as well, and they come over, and uh, they're in a, and I've, I've mentioned it on other podcasts, and I've, I reckon I've got a copy of the, the DVD here, it's called The Hunting DVD, Australian Hunting DVD. And he messaged me on Facebook and said, oh, uh, we need someone to cook because uh, you're pretty much the only one that can cook game meat. <laughs> and I, and we'll fly over and film you if we can come over there and um, film you. If we'll, we'll stay over there for a few days and that. And um, 
and film you and just put it put you on the DVD. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. That'd be great fun. So, so he came over and um, oh, when I landed, I said to the missus, I rang the missus, said, hey, there's a guy coming over. He's going to stop with us on the break. <laughs> He's like, what do you mean? I said, yeah, I'm coming home, but he'll be the first week or whatever. Home for a week, you know, he's going to stop there and we're, I'm hunting and he's filming me. You know, and the kids are running around. They thought it was great. Movie star was coming or something or other. Yeah, the kids running fast. In the They're only young at this stage. And like, we went through so many times. I had to film stuff and I'm trying to get it all right. And I went, we went down and I shot a deer and brought it back. We are down south and um, – and I put it on the barbecue and I, I we spit roasted it on the barbecue with some lemon and olive oil and um, some rosemary and it, was, and it turned out beautiful. And he's like, oh, that's amazing. And I'm like, oh, it's pretty basic. But, and then I cooked another few things out of bits and pieces and and um, and he got a heap of film, heaps of film. And um, anyway, I went back and like another month the DVD came out and they sent me the DVD. And, hey, it's Jason from Hunt, Catch, Cook, and here he is here <laughs> doing this. Okay, thanks for watching, guys, and make sure you look and, – and they're holding photo of me up or something – and make sure you go on his website and buy his cookbook. And I'm like – I looked at the, the, the missus at the time, wife at the time, and went, fuck it, I haven't got a cookbook. <laughs> what do I do now? And, like, and she goes, well, you better write a book. But, however, saying that, I had all the information was there – I just didn't have a cookbook. So I went back to work and pretty much wrote the cookbook in a shift. Uh, in, in two weeks, wrote this cookbook, come back um, and got a publisher and published it. And out come my first cookbook. Got like 5,000 copies, landed, bang, went and picked them up. All these books, my first cookbook. Fantastic, right? So that's cool. Got all these books. How do I sell them all? Like, what do I do? I put it on my Facebook. I put it on my Facebook page. My books out. I got while I was at work. The missus taking cover photos and that, taking them down next to the lake and taking some photos and that, and trying to make them look nice and put them up on my Facebook page. Buy my book, and it just like one or two were selling, you know. And I'm like, oh yeah, okay. Lo and behold, I'm up at work and I'm flicking through Facebook and the sporting shooters shot show was coming to Australia. The the SSAA were having a show. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. So I rang him up and said, hey, um, I'm Jason from Hunt Catch Cook. Have you got a cooking guy on stage? And they're like, no, we're, nah, we don't, we're not going to do cooking. And I said, well, well, it's, a, it's game, mate. That's it. What do you, everyone's there to buy guns to kill things. You need a cooking show, mate. He goes, oh, are you, yeah, all right, yeah, okay. Um, how much do you charge? I said, I don't. Like, I'll come and do it for nothing. <laughs> can you can you give me a booth where I can sell my books? Like, just, I don't care if it's just off the stage. Like, once I might finish stage, I said, I'll give you a little booth and you set it up and do all your book sales and stuff. And I, I was selling stickers and stuff at the start, trying to pay for the books, right? I was just making up little stupid stickers and stuff. Oh, I had stuff. a bu- I had a bunch of them. You sent out you sent out a whole heap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, so you know what I was talking about. So got all these little stickers, and and I, then I made my own shirts because I was going to a show, so I needed some shirts to wear. We all needed to look the same. We couldn't just turn up in some shit. So then I started selling shirts and stickers, and I had all these books. I got on there, never been on stage before, never done this sort of thing before, jumped on stage, packed the place, mate. It was just packed. On the Perth show, 
home crowd. I loved it. I just got up there and I was doing my thing, cooking, the cameras on me. And I had a mate who was uh, – he was a chef as well, and he was just saying, look, okay, this is what you got to do, and you got to kind of make it look professional. you got to do this. I'm like, okay, cool. So he'd set it up for me, kind of um, – you know, it gave me a bit of a in the direction of where to go, and I, you know, I, I, I did have a bit of an idea on how to cook. I'd cooked all this shit for the books and stuff, so he's like, "Yeah, just and, and make it look good. You just do this and then do that, and and yeah, right, yeah." Everyone loved it. It was great. Everyone thought it was fantastic, and I sold out of books. Like the whole show, it's just sold out, completely sold out. Five thousand books, amazing. And I'm like, that is it. I was like, I'm stoked. That was on. Like over the over the weekend, I was absolutely stoked. So I reprinted them again, and um, and I got a phone call the mid year. We're doing another shot show uh, in Melbourne. We're going to fly you over, and um, we need to fly all your cooking gear over as well, and bring your books with you. So <laughs> we'll give you a booth over there too, Melbourne. I'm like, oh, okay. So I packed up. I had over a ton of gear and I flew my brother over as assistant. He was just helped me set up. And I went on stage in Melbourne again and um, yeah, pulled a good crowd, sold out again. And it just kept going and kept going and kept going. And I thought, I've got to write another. Everyone's like, write another book, mate, write another book. And then the kids turned up and said, You wrote this book. We didn't even get a mention in the book, Dad. <laughs> and, like, we're your biggest fans, and we did not get a fucking mention. I think you put your dad in the on the front cover. You didn't even put us on there, and they were bitching and whinging about it. And I was like, oh, far <laughs> out. So I took photos of them, put them on the front cover, and designed the whole book around kids, getting kids to eat game meat. And just the little things you can do for kids and kid favourites, you know, and because some of my kids – and younger people would love the meals that I cook. So that and that went really well as well. That that yeah. So I kept getting the phone calls. Come back to more shows. Come back to more shows. Right up to COVID, and um, right up to COVID killed it. Uh, I'd been doing shows all over Australia, and then people were saying, "Oh, you know, I do local shows like the local chili festival, the local barbecue competition, the local camping shop wanted something done." Um, I had sponsors that that have open days and want things done as well. So I'd be doing cooking shows down there too. So next minute, my page has grown to, you know, 65,000 people following me on Facebook. Um, I think there's another, I don't know, six to 8,000 in a group in social media. Um, Yeah, Instagram. um, And as for YouTube, I just haven't got time to do YouTube. I'd like to. I'd like to sit down. <laughs> I, I started doing it and I thought, ah, oh, this is pretty cool and just – It's time-consuming. You know, <laughs> it's editing. Editing's my biggest enemy and because um, I just don't like the look of myself, I think. I don't know. And and it was just funny. I was just like, oh, well, too much. So I didn't worry about it. But now – and it's going good. So that's where, in a nutshell, that's pretty much it, mate. That's, that's how Hunt, Catch, Cook has just taken off. It really has. It has, and like I said before, you've been the trendsetter for it because, you know, every outdoor expo in Australia these days have a wild game chef. There's, you know, a dozen that I can think of these days, but like like I said, at the start, there was you. 
you were the guy yeah. that was showing everyone how to utilize their their game meat and the the fish and whatever else they caught or or shot whether it was you know donkeys camels everything you know now um, it's like now it's like assholes everyone's got one yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're you're the og of it man um that's Cheers, mate. i appreciate it thanks <laughs> Like, Thanks, like even think about how Steve Ranella's done shit. Um, you know, he's just done a similar like kids getting kids into outdoors type stuff. He does like kid focused recipes and that. But you, you almost were the first person to do that type of stuff for Wild Game. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. But I don't see it. Um. I don't know. I look at it a little bit different to a lot of people too. I see it as a form of protein. Like I don't see – a lot of people see it as a hard chunk of meat that's going to be fucking unbelievably hard to cook, and I don't see it that way. I see game meat as – yes, it can be challenging, um, but it's the challenge that makes it interesting, and and that's what I like about it. Um, you know, I'm not going to say that I have never buggered a fucking meal up. I've, I've destroyed some meals. Um, my – like. Most of them have been edible, but just destroyed. Like, yeah, I've only ever burnt one. Th- the sausage rolls got burnt. <laughs> I burnt some sausage rolls, and they were a little like my mate. We got pissed. We actually put the sausage rolls in the oven, and then we got fucking right on it, and um, forgot about the sausage rolls. And they come out actually charcoal burnt. <laughs> and I went, "Well, yeah, they look terrible." And he's like, "Yeah," and he, he took more photos of my fuck up. Then I took photos of it. So, and he keeps reminding me, oh, I remember coming around your house for dinner. Look at this, you know. <laughs> New, next next news it, article, yeah. just, you know, burnt sausage rolls. <laughs> yeah, I knew Gage when he was, yeah, a cook, yeah, and just shows me this burnt <laughs> sausage roll. And I'm like, oh, fuck you, man. Um, but yeah. That, I, don't, I don't see it as a challenge. And it's not that hard, really. It really is not that hard. I love cooking. Um, I've always... You know, Jamie Oliver, like you remember back to the days when he was, you know, he was probably one of the first celebrity chefs cooking wild game that I can remember. Uh, you know, he was yeah. cooking hare and venison and stuff. Um, you know, I'm I'm 30, so, you know, when I'm when I was six, seven, he's on TV cooking wild game. That, that really stuck into my mind growing up. Um, you know, I've been, I've been hunting since before I have memory with my grandparents and, my pop, he'd always yeah. always cook wild game, a lot of goat. I uh, grew up fishing and he was always, you know, he would always do, um, you know, chili crab or pickled crab or, you know, smoked salmon, yeah. smoked tommies, you know, big on smoking and stuff. He, and just then, you know, you, you've told me straight, you, you know, and this is with your pop or your grandfather, how hard now is it to erase that memory of every time you taste something it takes you straight back to memories with your grandparents. Oh, it's, it's whenever. Back, and that's through that's through flavour, uh, taste. It, it's that highlights your senses, and it can be, you know, when you're walking down the road and you smell something cooking, and it'll take you straight yeah. back to where you were at that certain time of the day. Certain person is with you, and this is what I get about uh, you know cooking, even in my kitchen. I'll smell something cooking, and I'm always, I always compliment um, my girlfriend at the moment. Oh, so that smells beautiful because it, it's the effort people put in, and it just takes you back to 
It's that memory takes you back to someone's cooking for you, someone's looking after you, and, um, you know, maybe like your, your grandparents or whatever it may be, it takes you back to that memory that they're feeding you, they're, that how much fun you've had with them doing that and hunting with your grandfather. How cool. Yeah. How cool is that? that uh, 100% like, you know, I smell smoked fish and first thing that goes back is to, you know, surf fishing down, down the Koorong with him and then, you know, Yes. You know, just yes. salmon sticking out of the sand with their tails flapping after you've after you've bl- chucked them in the ground to bleed yeah. them after you've yeah. you've snapped their leg and uh, snapped their neck and then you've chucked them in the smoker when you got home and you know that's like I, the smell takes me back and it's just all like exactly what you said those memories of all those different things that pop would cook and make from the stuff that we caught and cook uh, caught and shot and. Yeah, it just takes you right back, you know. If now, I if I see or smell pickled um, pickled crabs, it, straight away, straight back to my pop. It's like the first memory. Be, <laughs> guess who's going to be doing it with their kids? You are. Yeah, exactly right. Well, yeah, and that's where the tradition. That's where um, and and um, you know, firearm ownership and hunting for me. Uh, over, I don't know if you're aware of it, and most people wouldn't be. Well, most people probably are aware of it. In Western Australia at the moment, our our hobby is jeopardised, really, really bad. And this this is the part that angers me: is the fact that you're taking my heritage away from me. This is not this is not just a recreational thing for me. I'm not. This is not just. I'm not gun happy man that just goes around shooting everything. I'm not a danger to the community. I'm instilling my heritage and I'm showing my family where I come from by hunting. That's it. We've I've I had Kate on the podcast um a couple months back. We spoke about the exact same thing. Um I just had that um Irish fella Jody on the podcast speaking about the exact same thing, you know, he's moved to the like cuz I gave him shit. I'm like you moved to the worst state for hunting in, <laughs> uh, <laughs> hunting in, in Australia. Like, you could have picked anywhere and you've gone to Western yeah. Australia. Yes, it's beautiful. Yes, yeah. it's got amazing seafood, but the government's fucking them hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you could have just lived in New South Wales and come over here hunting would have been better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then, yeah, you know... Victoria, and then just come here, here for holiday and kill all our animals and go home again. That's it. And, you know, Victoria's facing the same thing with the duck, like potential duck bands. Yes, they got their season um, for this year, but it's, it's a win for the moment, but it's going to go straight back to the same thing after duck season's finished. South Australia's duck season is very similar. Um, South Australia, yeah. we're also facing a potential bow hunting ban. Um, yeah, that's know, right. I, no, I know that. Yeah, archery and and bow hunting. Not only not only have they they're having a crack at guns, they're going for bow as well. And it's even fishing, you know, fall fall driving, locking yep. gates, locking you out. People don't understand what's happening behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah and. As I've said many times before, quoting another uh, another podcaster, um, Clay Newcomb, is just guard the gate. You know, all of this stuff falls falls behind it. We got to band together. You know, whether whether you're a bow hunter, a shooter, a ferreter, a fisherman, a full driver, a motorbike rider, you know, a mountain biker, whatever, whatever yep. you do outdoors, we got to band together and have each other's backs. Yep, that's right. Like yep. it's. It's we're living in a, in a crazy world at the moment, you know. And crazy it's, world, we are. 
you know, uh, uh, do they do helicopter culling of ferals in WA like they are doing in SA and Vic and New no. South? No. To do to do um, to cull out of a helicopter uh, in Western Australia, you need uh, there is a certain permit you have to get. Because I looked into it, um, for I was going to try and cull some camels out of a chopper. And I had access to cull camels out of a helicopter and to shoot a firearm out of a helicopter in Western Australia is that there's a licence through CASA you have to do. Uh, and it was it's very hard to do it. Yeah. It, See you're pretty much pretty much near impossible to get that licence, to get that box ticked. That's fine. Like recreational hunter doing it, someone that will try and utilize as much of that meat as possible. You know, it's not like the government programs where, you know, in South Australia they're dropping, uh, you know, a thousand deer and just leaving them all rot. Like it's yeah, yeah. it's yeah, heartbreaking. It's crazy, hey? It's crazy. Yeah, you know, someone that, with a passion for pretty... food like yourself, like it's just yeah. seeing all that, <laughs> all that food wasted, yeah, all that potential. Yeah, yeah. You know, we we went up uh, beginning of the year, uh, beginning of the year. Early, sorry, could have even been early last year. Went up uh, for a camel hunt, and um, I think there were seventeen camels we got on the ground and brought home. Oh, it was a couple of hundred kilo of meat. That's ridiculous. And, and it was great. Yeah, it was great and absolutely fantastic. And to to do that, yeah, it's, there's a lot of work involved. However, it's it's feeding a lot of people, and it was good, and it's great meat. Oh, and I've been it's... cooking it ever since. It's, think, a, it's, uh, a, it's amazing, mate. Um, I had a mate just returned from a, a camel hunting trip, and he he brought a, a um, cryvac bag of um, uh, vet, some steaks through and cooked it up. Yeah. Wife wouldn't have it, but me and the youngest, you know, his he was three and a half at the time, probably a little bit younger. Him and I sat down and devoured these camel steaks, like just the most beautiful yeah. steaks we've ever had. He's gone to kindy the next, well, childcare the next day, and he's telling everyone that he was eating camel. And you know, the educators were like, "Yeah, yeah. mate, sure you have." And then yeah. that night, I'd, that day, I'd bought some crocodile burgers from uh, from a local shop that had some crocodile burgers for sale. And he's like, "Dad, we had camel for dinner last night." I'm like, "Yeah, mate, we did." And the educator looked at me. I'm like, "Guess what, mate? We got crocodile burgers for dinner tonight." And she's like, looked at me and then looked at him. He's cheering, and she's like, "You've got way more of a like completely different experience in food than I have." That's right, exactly. <laughs> and he's three. In a- with the, with the camel um, thing, you know, I, I, there was quite a, a couple of, I suppose, younger hunters up there, um, novice hunters, and it was good to be able to get them out and show them, you know, the cuts of meat you can take and just even utilising that meat as well. Um, I, I bought home ribs, um, shanks and all sorts of bits and pieces that normally wouldn't have been bought home, uh, and it was great. It was really, really good. It was good experience for them, but even better experience for me, just cutting one up, showing people how to do it, what to do. So you've got that massive reservoir of fat on a camel. Have you tried rendering that down to use for for cooking? Yeah. For the, um, so there's a um, the hump. You can you can eat the hump, and you can do it. It's like a like a tofu substance. It looks like that. But it's like a fatty, 
sort of thing. I don't usually use a hump, so I, I cut that off. But there's in, in amongst the camel, there's a heap of fat in it. And I have trimmed the meat, got the fat off, and rendered the fat down, and then um, boiled potatoes in it, in the fat, like deep-fried potatoes oh. in camel fat. So it's just like a, a lard, and it come down, made my own oil out of it, and then just deep-fried the potatoes in the oil. Really good. Perfect way to do it. It was good fun. So um, really you could take that hump off and render down that whole, that whole fat reservoir almost, you reckon, similar to how they do with bear? So there's a lot of fat. There's a lot of marbling throughout the camel. You can chop the chop the fat out of that. But the the hump is uh, there's a better way to do the hump, and that's to actually um, cut it into chunks. I think you um, you put it in salt first and get the water out of it in, into like a a layer of salt and just leave it in salt for 48 hours and get the water out of that meat. Then slice it up, wash it, slice it up, and then roast it. And um, you you slow roast that hump, and it it's like um it's hard to explain. I watched a video about it the other day. I've never done the hump myself. Uh, I've skinned it, but um, I've never I've never actually taken the hump off because I know it's full of that. It's just it looks like a milky yeah. sort of substance. It's it's not. It's just a reservoir of of liquid for them, and it's uh, I don't know, probably a bloody fuel tank or something. It's that's what it's like. Yeah, exactly. Actually, if I get a chance to go and shoot a camel, I'll bring the hump home. I, I will actually have a crack at um, trying to trying to eat the hump. That sounds so that's probably that sounds really good. Like my mouth's watering with you talking about that. I'd be keen to try that. You know, it's just it just had me thinking. Like because I listen to a lot of American podcasts, and you know they're big on. You know, you've got the black bear up there on the mountain behind you. Um, listeners yeah. won't be able to see that, but um, you know, like yeah. just them talking about rendering down uh, bear fat to use for cooking. You know, they use it from from everything from cooking meat to putting in pastries and all of that yeah, type of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like it just been in my mind, you know, this a camel is a massive reservoir of fat. Like yeah. it would be a good, um, good source to render it down and, you know, reuse it to, you know, tallow's massive for cooking these days. Um, you know, I use yeah. a fair amount of lard instead of um, vegetable oils with my cooking these days. Just because vegetable that, oils. That's what I used it. Yeah, that's what I used it for. Um, I've done it with um, pork. I've cooked, um, just got the pork and and, and used um, and kept rendering and rendering. Try to get the oil out of the pork and ended up with a pot full of oil and doing little bits of pork crackle in it. Yum. Got the skin off the pig. Yeah, it's great. Like little crispy bits of pig. Um, the camel neck. I've brought the neck home and. Uh, put a spit bar through the middle of the neck and cook the neck up, oh. the whole neck. Slow roasted the neck in the backyard, pouring marinades over the top of it. Just slicing uh, it like yeah. a kebab shop, just slicing well, the meat it's off. All full of, it's all full of bones. So, yeah, it was kind of like it's, it's get as much of the meat off as you can and then you're just chewing on bones for the rest of the day. It was great. But uh, it's really bony. I've sliced it into chops and done a, a, like an osabuco with camel neck because it was very bony. Um yeah, you know, I, I get challenges like that. I'll, I'll see an animal and think, oh, I'd love to do that. Like, um, for instance, when I went up to the Territory and shooting buffalo, I, I had an idea. I wanted to get um, the shank off the buffalo and do Thor's hammer with it. Yeah. And it sat in my sat in my freezer for probably 12 months and I pulled it out at Christmas time and did um, buffalo Thor's hammer and it turned out amazing. 
put it into a cast iron pot in the smoker and um, and slow cooked it in my smoker and it was absolutely unreal. Yeah, and heaps of um, heaps of like a barbecue sauce and juices all around this this store's <laughs> hammer. And it was just pull it apart and pull the bone out. And when I pulled the bone out, it was all full of the marrow. So I've punched the marrow out and um, I've put the marrow in the freezer. So I want to make marrow bone butter and I'll put that over a steak or something. Next camel steak I'll do will have buffalo marrow bone butter on it. So, yeah, or maybe some garlic bread with buffalo marrow bone butter. I definitely picked the wrong guest to have after I've already eaten and started because I, I, I fast for 17 hours a, a day. So from dinner time to lunchtime the next day, I fast. I'm going to be struggling to not break that fast over the next 17 hours. <laughs> yeah. Silly you, mate. Yeah, oh, man. Uh, and, and I can picture what you're, what you're talking about when you're talking about it. So, like, my mouth is just salivating right now. <laughs> Fasting fasting is just another way of saving ammo, mate. That's all that is, hey? That's it. (laughs) (laughs) So normally I I jump down um, top five items for a beginner getting into hunting and shooting. But what I reckon the direction I'll take this, this time, what would be your top five items for a beginner who's getting into processing their own game? Oh, easy. Cool. So, top five, let me write them down. So, obviously, would knives be in the processing, would you say, a, a good set of knives? Yep, 100%. So, you want knives, uh, at least have a skinning knife, a boning knife, and a steel in a roll, in, a, in somewhere that they stay wrapped up, even if it's a bit of cloth, if you can't afford a roll, or a wrap of some description. Uh, that slides into some plastic or something, you can wrap it up and tie it off and you know where it is because there's nothing worse than, and I've seen this happen many times, you'll be processing animals and somebody, you've got two knives and the question I get asked, where's the other knife? (laughs) And they've put it down or you step step on the knife and you end up cutting yourself or you've lost the knife or it just gets (laughs) dropped in the bush. Or it gets lost in the bag and you can't, you put your hand in, you cut yourself in there. So a little wrap to wrap your knives up, but that's not part of it. So just the set of knives with a steel, right? So that's number one. Number two is a gamble. So you want to get the, and I'll say, well, let's include the rope as well, right? So you want to have a gamble. And for those who don't know what a gamble is, uh, something to go in between the legs of the animal to get it off the ground. Not necessarily. 100% 100% important. However, it's like having a air conditioning in your car in summertime. It's fucking so much more comfortable. Right? So you can, to, to gut an animal on the floor, you can do it, sure. It sucks. No problem at all. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. Yeah, it does. And it's just got shit everywhere. Why don't you get a bit of rope, stretch it up over a tree, at least get the back legs off the ground and yep. let gravity take its course. It makes it if you split something, pop something, it's got run it runs one way, it runs down. At least you save the back legs. That's all I do you is ha- hang game of because uh, hang game, you Perfect, know, that's, right? That's all I do. So it'd have to be it'd have to be knives, gamble. So we're doing top five. Yes. Um now 
you want something to um, put put the meat in. Um, would be beneficial if you took an esky out hunting, but some people backpack hunt. So let's put it in, say, some pillow slips. Okay, so and, and this the pillow slips from Kmart, cheapest chips, a dollar each, I think, something two bucks each. That's what I run. Go and buy ten of them. Go and buy ten, right? And, and black ones. Yeah, black. Sit in your <laughs> Don't get white ones. ones. <laughs> you can get white if you want. Okay, but it's just it's black. Black's easier. Can't see any stains. Or one, <laughs> one color, one color. The missus doesn't get upset. They all go in your hunting. She knows that when she washes the washing, it's going to be all red because she's using the black pillow slips. It's going to be full of blood, <laughs> and it goes back into your hunting kit. And no one gets. Don't use any washing powder. You don't need to. Well, you can do if you like. But anyway, so I'm going to say bags or pillow slips. Okay. Beautiful. I, I prefer I prefer pillow slips. Or, or my bags, and I'll let you know what I do in a minute with bags, okay? So <clears throat> if you're out hunting, and I'm talking, I used to go hunting in the morning. So I'd go just go for a morning hunt. I'd be back home. The meat would end up in the back of my car in bags, and you wouldn't even get to put it into a fridge or a freezer until you got home. So it would just stay in the car. So that was cool. And that was fine. It was okay. Summertime, you'd be home by then. It was all right. The, the animal would still be hot and you hang it up in your fridge. If you're out for any more than, say, I don't know, I'd say three hours, you really want to start cooling that meat down even, as soon as you shot it. Like if you're going to be a while, if you're going to be all day, if you're camping, you want to then be able to start cooling the meat. So you want somewhere to cool it, a big esky and with some ice. Um, and you want something to make ice, so you need a fridge, right? Yep. So a, a cooling method, either a fridge, you could have a, an angle that uh, makes ice, you put in your esky, your game that goes in your esky, you put a towel over the top or a bit of alfoil. If it's in the sun, you don't touch it. It just stays there. No one opens it. You've got strict instructions, do not open that esky, only to change the ice. You pull bottles of water out, put it back in the uh, and, and freeze it, and you put them back in with your pillow slips, and it stays. There's no water in there. It doesn't get wet. Perfect. And even with the bags, sometimes I'll take a plastic bag, like a big heavy-duty mine site-style plastic sample. I think they put dirt in them these days, or big big bag. And when I've shot something, um, it goes into the pillow slip. It gets hung up. It gets cooled. The meat gets cooled down. Then it goes into a plastic bag wrapped up, so it's watertight, then into the esky on the ice, and then I swap the ice out all the time so it keeps it cool. It cools it down under a shaded tree. Flies don't get it. I wrap it up. Then it goes into that esky or goes into – and I keep swapping it out. And I've stayed weeks out in the desert in, in big heat, and the meat's fine. And Beautiful. it's so perfect. No worries at all. Right? And it just sits in that plastic, and you can drain the blood out of it, no problem, out of the plastic. Easy, right? And you just your your bags. You can wash your bags out, take them out the next day hunting, just or rinse them out into some water. They're still going to have blood on. Doesn't really matter. They're not going to go stinky too much. Just take them out again, fill them up again, bring them back. And you hang on to a tree again. So your esky or a cooling device, and I'd say let's put fridge in that as well. So that'll come under the same banner. 
number five, not necessarily 100%, but it makes – this This is my game changer for this year, a saw. Um, I've started out with a hand saw, just got a meat saw. Um, I've taken on hunting trips, uh, I think it was a 27 teeth per inch wood saw to cut horns off and cut skull. Um, but I've now come across a uh, Milwaukee Recip saw, battery operated. Oh, man, they are cool. Everything just gets cut up with that now. I'm just like, yeah, right, <laughs> that's got a new one, a leg, boom. Like I've cut, like, um, went on a hunting thing and um, they showed, they were just showing a bit of field dressing. They had a heap of sheep there and they killed the sheep, showing some field dressing. I got the Recip saw out and cut them all into pieces and, Everyone's like, oh, man, that's fucking cool. I just out the back of the car, the recip saw just chopped everything up, mate. There was bits and pieces. I chopped all the heads in half. I got all the brains out. It was great. This thing's, this thing's a game changer. And uh, I thought, rightio, that's something that I have got to uh, – That's I've got to like carry that now forever. That's that's in my – that's my go-to, the saw. Uh, and it, But I started out with a hand saw, so you don't have to – it doesn't have to be overly expensive – but a handsaw makes things easier. You know, if you've got to break bones, take necks off, that sort of thing. Sure, you can do it with a knife, but it's like air conditioning in your car again. It makes it so much fucking easier to be able to say, right, yeah, I just want to chop that in half. And um, and, and it makes it's better, heaps better. So five things. I'll start from the top again if anyone they can't press, press <laughs> replay. A knife, a gamble, bags, an esky, a fridge, and a saw, mate. That's it. Top five. That's a great you, list. And the best thing about that list, I reckon, is where can you grab a few of those things? Um, <laughs> on your website. <laughs> yeah, always, okay, you can. I, I, yeah, I do. I cover, I cover a couple of them, right? So the knives and the gamble, yeah, for sure. Not the esky and the saw, definitely not. The hardware shop. But, um, yeah, you can. You can cover it on me. You can get them on my website for sure, mate. Um, but it's... I suppose it's not written in stone. Then people would say, okay, yeah, there's other stuff that I like to take along and, and I like to do. But that, for me, that's my top five. And if I'm getting into hunting, definitely the knives, definitely the knives. No, that's a, it's a, it's a bloody good list, that's for sure. You know, you, you learn a lot um, from trial and error why you're, you're out. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm like you. You were a lot of my hunting trips are just going out for the morning, come home by twelve o'clock, um, or yep. you know head out at four p.m. and you know back home at six seven p.m. You know just after yep. after the sun goes down. So dealing with meat in those situations is is pretty pretty easy because you can chuck them in the in the game bag, pillowcase, whatever you've got. Um, have some frozen frozen bottles in the bottom of an esky and just throw them straight in there to cool them down. You know, we're yeah. we're fortunate. You know, towards the end of the rut, you know, it's getting cold here for deer, so you can chuck the deer up, skin it, leave it hanging in a in a shady spot in a tree for a little bit, let it form that crust. It starts cooling down. Chuck it in the esky so you don't get any sweat. Um, you know, after it's cooled down. And then, yeah, that's that's pretty easy. But when you're away for, like you said, a week or two, having that option of being able to freeze bottles and then chuck them in the bottom of an esky, you know, some people go ice, but, you know, you look at the difference between 
meat that's been being cooled down on a on a frozen bottle of ice compared to being in an esky and you've got like a slurry of slurry of ice water in the bottom and it's going going all red because yeah. of the myoglobin yeah. from the yeah. from the <laughs> from the meat you know um yeah. You, yeah. you definitely get a better better outcome when it comes to doing it that way that's for sure definitely hence the reason i use in the, that slurry you know it does sometimes you uh, you, you know, that's how it is. You just have bags of ice instead of heat. And so that's why I have that, um, those plastic bags. And if you want to instead um, put uh, your meat in plastic bags and, and sit it in that slurry of ice, it's not going to get that water all over the meat. You're not going to have that red that red ice all through. the and, and, yeah, your meat ends up washing itself and turning kind of pale. white and <laughs> pale, yeah. Been there, done yeah. that, and yeah, you you said you use um, some type of mining bag. Um, you know that's that's not available to everyone. Nor's this, but it's it's something I've used in the past for the same type of thing. Also, like just to line line your bag when you you're chucking meat in it. But if you know a vet, vets get uh, like a um, corpse bag for for dogs and dogs and that and they're a really really good size to store meat in if if you know a vet get some of those those corpse bags they work so good and they're thick somebody somebody else said that too they were storing their deer in a body bag like (laughs) i had a friend a body bag and they yeah they travel everywhere with this body bag and put all their meat in it what a good idea yeah, these That's pretty cool, really. the the vet ones—they're just like a tough, tough, tough plastic garbage bag, but like really, yeah. really tough. They work so well. Um, so yeah, if you know any vets, get, <laughs> try and get some of yeah, them. They work that. great. Yeah, dude, that's that's great. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a dozen rabbits in a body bag. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. <laughs> just uh, that's yeah, really could good. could be an awkward story when you get pulled over coming home from a hunting trip. <laughs> But um, what have you forgotten on a hunting trip? What's what's something you've gone out gone out for a week or so, and you've gone, oh fuck, I've left that at home. <laughs> um, actually, the last uh, the last hunting trip. I, this is the only time that I've actually forgotten something on a hunting trip, and and um, the only time. And um, I was out hunting deer. Uh, I was in a I was in a club. And I was out hunting deer, and I had uh, the 300 Win Mag, and he had um, he had a 6.5. It was a Creedmoor or something, and I'm like, oh, yeah, all right. <laughs> and uh, he was driving his car, and I was in passenger side, so I had I had really the opportunity to shoot because he was driving. Anyway, I come over a hill in the Ute and along a fence line. And there's a deer sitting right in the paddock, this red deer. And like he goes, there it is, shoot it. And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, right, where's my ammo? I've left the ammo back at camp. And we're <laughs> a miles away. The only time I've ever done that, I'm like, fuck. <laughs> the only time. The only time. I said, mate, I've left, you're going to have to shoot it. I've left the ammo back in camp. So you shoot it, and he shot it. So which we end up, we end up getting the deer. That's fine. Um, I had a yeah, I gut it and skin it, and yeah, dressed it out and everything for him. We took it back, but it, it was just kind of disappointing in the fact that I don't know, but maybe I had too much going on. And I wasn't. I, I don't know. Uh, okay, I'm not going to make excuses. It was just 
yeah, the only time that I've ever forgotten anything on a hunting trip. And it was probably one of the – it was a beautiful deer too. It was absolutely beautiful. <laughs> I would have heard and even I, more knowing it was taken with a 6.5 Creedmoor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it did, eh? It was like, oh, what he shot it with that? Oh, my God. You know, when he said, oh, I said, what are you shooting, mate? He's like, this Creedmoor. And I'm, oh, my God. <laughs> really? I don't know. I've, I don't know what it is. It's just I've never shot one, fun. but you know, I, I'm not. I'm not no, either bigger on ballistics and that. But you know, all the memes that come out of six five Creed yeah, War on, just, on Facebook are probably, a good laugh. They're probably great guns. I just, I've just now I've got the opinion you got to be a, a vegan know, hipster to shoot them. Yeah, yeah <laughs> have yeah, a man bun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. there's got to be something wrong with you if you got one. Yeah. So I just thought, oh look, I'll just take the piss. Yeah, why not? But um. Yeah, it's kind of funny. He's just like, no, yeah, shoot it, mate. And I'm like, well, I haven't. I can't because I haven't got any ammo. And, yeah, I don't – I suppose I still do all the same checks now, but um, it was just kind of – it was funny at the time. I'm like, wow, that's the first <laughs> time I've ever forgotten anything. Oh, that's hilarious. Moving on, what would be the most important item? Like apart from your rifle or bow or whatever you're using to hunt with, what would be the most important item you take out with you on a hunt? <laughs> Everyone's gonna, everyone will say, oh, bullshit, it's your, uh, it's your camera, Jase. You should be <laughs> – must be your camera. But I don't know, really, when it comes to that. Um, I like I do like to record all my my hunts. Like I, I do like to have my phone with me and and be able to just take some photos. I, I like that and I enjoy it. For me now, it's part of it. It's part of um, you know just showing people what I do. So I'd have to say my phone or my or my camera. Um, it's a good one. You know, it, it's people say what's you know what's the important. If I broke it down and said what's the important part of a hunt. Really, for me, hunting's just bushwalking with a firearm on your on your shoulder. Um, it, it's the fact that you're out there doing it, and you're away from everyone else, or you're with mates, and you're just enjoying yourself. You know, hunting—it's always been that way for me. I really haven't had a a really important, um, I don't know, bit of equipment. I always take a backpack with me. I always, from day dot, always had a knife on my hip, yep. so I've always had a. I've always had a knife in that sense, as well as my boning and skinning knife in a roll, and that sometimes stays even stays back in the car, or it'll because the car won't be that far away, so I'll be walking a block or something and just park the car there, so I can easily drive back up to the if I shoot anything. Um, I suppose it's not really about equipment for me, because um, that change that changes all the time. Even the type of firearm that I go out with, I'll just I'll, I'll just grab a firearm and just grab it and say, well, that firearm's going to depend what I'm shooting today. Yeah. I might be. I might grab a shotgun and then that'll say, okay, I'll, I'll if I'm going to a certain property, um, I might, yeah, I don't know, I might be shooting birds of some description or I could be shooting rabbits. So I'll get a rabbit shot, some light loads. Uh, might see a pig, so I get some SGs or double SGs. Uh, and I'll be on foot, so I'll walk in and I'll, I'll be in the scrub. Um, so in that sense, or most of the time, maybe a 223 or a 6.5 or 55 Swedish Mauser. I might be deer hunting. Uh, any of those calibers, you know, there's uh, it just changes all the time for me. 
all yeah, the time. I never, I, I try and mix it up a little bit because it keeps it interesting. You know, there's a lot of people, um, and I had a mate, uh, and I mate, I said I had a mate because he's, um, yeah, that's a whole different story, and we'll go down that one in a minute. But um, he was hunting with me uh, right into um, night vision gear and thermal stuff. And that's all he used. And that's all he wanted to do was strap night vision gear on and, and fox shoot. And for me, it just became boring. Like if you're not shooting 20 foxes a night with a shotgun and chasing them in a car or <laughs> it was fun to do it. It was fun to do it once or twice. That was cool for the night vision stuff. Um, you know, and I've got thermal stuff myself that I go shooting rabbits with thermal. Um, and that kind of that gets a bit boring after a while. It's the same thing. I'd rather strap a, a, a firearm to my shoulder and go for a walk early in the morning, the first light, and watch the sun come up and actually get out there and enjoy the fresh air and, and That's it. But know you're alive, not sit there in the middle of the night and look through a thermal all night just to wait for a fox to come up. Sure, it, and don't get me wrong, it's good fun. It's good fun for him. I, I just got sick of it. And, yeah, I said, mate, it's – yeah, it's – I don't know. You could probably see it. He could probably see it was just boring for me. Yeah, um, I, I still haven't jumped down that thermal thermal night vision gear rabbit hole yet. And you know, I've, I'm still old school with a with a spotlight. Go out with a few mates, and you're just talking shit, driving around. You know, you might get a couple yeah. of foxes, maybe a deer, maybe a couple of rabbits, a few hares. But yeah, that's just talking shit and <laughs> driving around all night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he's more driving around all night and, you know, the, maybe the thermal's on and you're looking through the thermal all night, you're looking at a screen and in the dark, you yeah. know, and I'm just like, eh, I don't know, I'd rather see it and then just chase after it sort of thing or, yeah, it's just, I don't know, it's a different form of hunting. Maybe I'm old school, maybe um, maybe I'm not Maybe I'm not ready for it, I don't know. But it's just, yeah, and you could, you could see it was going down that road and, Hence the reason I don't know he's took off. So <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those things that's it's getting it's growing. Um, you know, uh, there's a fella named Max who's been on the podcast before. He runs a a fox shooting competition and feral shooting competition. I think it's turned into this year, but a fox tastic weekend. Um, and he is massive on his thermal gear. You know. Uh, yeah, he, I think he just got like a twenty six, twenty seven thousand dollar thermal thermal scope for for his rifle, and it's just yeah. intense. But it, it, like you said, it looks like it'd be awesome fun to do a few times. But you'd you want to keep it mixed up, you know. I'm the same as you. I'll I'll go for a walk, you know, one time with a bow, the other time with a recurve bow, another time with the you know twelve gauge, another time with a twenty two, another time with a twenty two magnum, twenty two Hornet. Um, yeah, two four three, two seventy. You know, yeah, just just yeah. mix it up. Uh, he, he'll turn up in a paddock and and put this fox caller down and see see if any foxes come along and sit there and shoot him with the in the thermal. I'm like, well, oh, you know, that's that's cool. But <laughs> for me, it's it was it was fun. You know, and I've seen uh, you know I've seen camels get shot with thermal, and I've seen lots of animals getting shot with the thermal, but um, and pigs and stuff. But I just, yeah, for me, I, I think it's more of more of the fun of just getting out and seeing what's actually out in the. That's why you're there. You're out in the bush to have a look, 
and I just enjoy I enjoy that enjoy the countryside. Yeah, I might bite my words one once I go out with someone with thermal and be like, oh shit, I need to get myself one of these. But you know, the people are using them for daytime deer hunting, like stalking. Now they're you know scanning bushes mm-hmm. before they're they're walking through and picking up the heat signatures yeah. and all that during the day, which is a bloody cool idea, especially for you know bow hunters in thick scrub. Yeah. What about the most dangerous or sketchy thing to happen to you, either on a hunting or a fishing trip? Um, yeah, jeez, uh, we've had, you know, I've been in some, uh, I suppose, some fairly dangerous situations. Um, I went into, I went into the territory with a broken foot, <laughs> and uh, and that was, you know, that was fairly was fairly dangerous. Um, However, you, there's an element of, um, I don't know, there is probably some dangerous times that I've been in, but, however, there is, I try and I try and keep myself safe from my hunting trips and yeah. I try and cover all those boxes because it's just, it, it makes, you, you don't want to push the envelope too much. Um, don't forget, you're walking around the bush with a gun and there's not many mistakes that, that go really well after you fired a gun by mistake, um, and and it's happened to me. It has happened. I've been sitting in a circle of people and thought the gun was unloaded, um, you know, and put it up and it was up in the air and pulled the trigger and there was a it was a round it got stuck in it. So, um, you know, I've seen misfires before in shearing sheds and uh, they've gone through outside the shed. People not, you know, just just guns going off accidentally. I've seen it all, um, and I try and eliminate. A lot of these problems that you have with hunting trips, especially because there's usually there's a lot of sharp or dangerous stuff in a hunting trip, and one one's firearm and the others are knives, and um, and there's not much coming back from it. Once you, yeah, it can be it can be fairly dangerous. So I was at the last hunting trip I was with. There was a water crossing, and it was uh, fairly isolated, and we had to go through this water crossing, and we were uh, in a convoy of people down the side of a farm fence and it was out in the middle of nowhere uh fairly remote and uh we went into the water crossing that morning come back out uh sorry for the last couple of days we'd been in and out of the water crossing through the river or through like a big puddle sort of thing it was brackish water uh we got up early in the morning but the others had gone out before us and they've gone through the crossing and it's uh had a bit of a limestone bottom on it and sandy in the in the tire tracks and this just kept wearing it out just kept making muddier and muddier and we got in there in the ford ranger and you know that previous previous day he was telling me about how much money he's put into his ford ranger and it was worth thousands and da 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 and all this and we got halfway through this puddle and it stopped <laughs> and he sunk he's pretty much sunk his ford ranger you know oh no and and we were in the middle of nowhere and I suppose there's a little bit of a sheer panic in – you could hear it in his voice. It was sheer panic for me because my ass was going to get wet. I knew that. <laughs> that was um, – you could see the water coming through the doors and uh, I think the the electrics for the rangers somewhere under the dashboard and it was it was coming up. It was pretty high. So I, I got out of the car, put the guns up on the back seat up a bit higher and um, I got out of the car and the car was sinking pretty hard and it come about halfway up through the doors – and rode his car off. Oh no! And, and eventually, yeah, we we uh, I had to walk back down the road 
uh, to get some phone signal and eventually got phone signal and, and rang the other guys uh, and the other guys come and uh, pulled us out. We had um, two sets of snatch straps or winches and um, back out onto some hard ground. And we, we eventually got the car out and it was running and, and got it back to camp. But, yeah, after all, he got it back back into town. It rode it off. So I had to get it towed back. So, And... and you know, for things like that, that, that becomes fairly – it's a costly exercise for anyone. You know, a hunting trip where you're meant to be putting – saving money, putting meat on the table yeah, can can become fairly, fairly expensive if you start doing things like – you know, just silly things like that. If we'd gone around maybe or if we'd, if we'd gone and knocked on the door of the farmer and asked the farmer if we could go through the farm, probably would have saved a lot of problems. Um, maybe a bit of pre-planning. Uh, always helps that sort of thing. So, and and I'm conscious of that. Of now, when I'm going out, even into the desert, uh, to say to the guys, "Listen, um, okay, we're going with another car, but what planning have we done? What's in place? What are we putting in place if something goes wrong?" No, it's good. And in the, in the back of my mind now, I'm, I'm really conscious about that. So, even um, even with hunting with mates, and and we'll be walking a block. And I'll say, listen, all right, we've either got uh, like a, a two-way or, so you can call me if you, you want to know where we are or um, we've got uh, rhinos, so some garment rhino, so we know we can actually see where the other person is on the rhino. So we've that's got good. them matched. Um, and that's got a two-way in it as well. But it's more of the fact that, righty these are these are the these are the rules, right? You're going this way, and I'm going that way. And once you get to this point, don't go any further. Sit down, and I'll come from this way. And we do that. So it's all planning, it's all preparation, and it just keeps everyone safe. And I've been doing that for years, even uh, you know, with uh, my ex-father-in-law, uh, with my dad. He'd say, "Look, you go that way, and you go, you walk down here and have a look." Or I'm going to be. Uh, 30 metres to your right and your brother's going to be 30 metres to your left. So don't shoot left or right, shoot straight ahead. Yeah, you know, and, and it's, it's been, Yeah, that's right, just re- knowing where the other person is. So saying to, to answer your question, what's the, the worst thing that's happened on a hunting trip um, or a fishing trip even, I, I try and – it kind of hasn't. Uh, I try good. and eliminate that sort of shit. Yeah, so touch wood. <laughs> uh, this idea hasn't hasn't been too bad. What about funniest thing that's happened to you while you've been out? Oh, it's always a laugh, you know. So, <laughs> Just so, shit yeah, talk. That's what it's, yeah, that's what it's about, eh? With guys, even with mates, um, it, it's been yeah, it has been a laugh. Just some of the things I've done with with mates, uh, you know, some of the things that got you know. Ended up getting shot. We, I was at a property one time and uh, the farmer wanted us to shoot his chicken, his rooster. He said, oh, can you take that down the back? But uh, you need to take it down the back paddock. And there was there was myself and two mates and they were uh, big shotgun shooters and, um, and really good um, clay target shooters. Anyway, <laughs> he's, this, the farmer said to us, listen um, – can you take the rooster down the back paddock and shoot it? And we had we all had shotguns, and um, and oh, oh yeah, okay, no worries. And it was a property, and, and we're walking through the orchard, 
He said, but no, seriously, mate, take it down the back paddock and shoot it. I said, we'll just shoot it around. No, you just it has to be down the back paddock. Uh, it's my daughter's rooster. And if she fucking hears it getting shot, she'll go off her face. All right, she's inside. Just take it down the fucking back paddock. I said, okay, right here. So we've, he's given me the rooster, and I'm holding the rooster, and I've got a sling, so my shotgun's over my shoulder. And as I walked around the corner of the house, I had uh, mates each side of us, and the rooster got out and flew off. But the rooster, if you know a chicken, they fly they only fly, fly up and then down. They fly up in the air, right? Exactly like a clay target. Exactly. <laughs> so as, as the rooster took off, the mate on my right-hand side yells out, pull. <laughs> right on the left-hand side, just give it both barrels straight away. He goes, got it. Fucking <laughs> man. And. Blew this rooster to pieces, mate. Absolutely scattered this rooster. His feathers going everywhere. And uh, my mate on the right that yelled out, Paul, right, he, he saw him shooting and he goes, oh, you like, you bastard. You just shot it. We didn't even get a chance to shoot it. So he shot as well. So there's four guns. Bang, 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 bang. <laughs> and, like, I'm just standing there and I'm like, oh, fuck it. Oh, so I shot it too. So there's bang, 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 bang. And you could hear the farmer yelling. It was only we're only ten meters away from the house. <laughs> <laughs> this thing's just got annihilated, just because we made to start shooting. And I'm like, why did you do that? And the farmer's going off his fucking head. And I'm like, oh, sorry, mate. Like, I told you. No. <laughs> We had to pick it up. We were still laughing, just picking up the pieces. Oh, that's... He wasn't. He wasn't happy. He was not happy. As he wouldn't be, but um, yeah, these situation was, happens. Was, <laughs> yeah, it was funny. It was just funny. Um, yeah, just talking about like the shit talking banter and. You know, uh, as I mentioned before, we started the podcast. I caught up with a bunch of um, other hunters last night, and we went out to a pub in in the middle of Adelaide for dinner, and just a bunch of guys that listen to the podcast. Um, you know, we've all yeah. connected through social media. Cody Gearon, who we were talking about it at the start of the podcast, he was down from New South Wales, so we kind of like um, kept that a secret. And you know, he'd rocked up at the pub, and everyone's just like, "Hang on." You're not from here, aren't you from New South Wales, that type of thing. So we're all having yeah. a good time, pissing ourselves laughing. And one of the boys, he'd uh, just got a uh, he'd taxidermied mount of a, the first fallow buck he'd shot back from the taxidermist and is sitting in the car. And we're like, oh, beautiful. Go get, go get the head, bring it in, bring it in. So he, yeah. he's like, all right. After a couple of beers, he's like, all right, all right, I'll do it. So he walks through the doors holding this taxidermied fallow, fallow's uh, buck and, you know, all these people are like putting down their forks and knives and forks and they're like, what the fuck is this guy? So he like, sits down That's at brilliant. the table. After a minute, you know, people are coming up and starting to chat and he's explaining about deer and, you know, it turns out the two bar, bar staff, they were both vegans. So he's like explaining all of that to them. <laughs> he's like walked up to the to the bar and he's ordered a drink he's like yeah one for me but you know my mate's legless so you know he's stuffed he's he's not he's not having one tonight and we're just all pissing ourselves laugh laughing that's fantastic uh, that is fantastic uh, it's it's always good. a good laugh when you're you're out with a bunch of a bunch of other hunters and mates and shit and you're just being like just the mates that i've made through through hunting and um, you know, just people that you'd never meet in just everyday life if you didn't have these these passions. 
Yeah, exactly. And, and I'm the same. I've made a lot of friends through hunting. I've made a lot of, um, you know, it's, hunting for me has opened a lot of doors. Uh, and, um, you know, throughout Australia, it's um, it, it really has done well for me. And I've made a lot of friends through it, just through the hunting scene. And it's great. Yeah, it's, it's it's crazy. Like, you know, I've I've always said, like, come down to South Australia, you've always got a spot to come out for a shoot down here, you know, bring the bow and we can go yeah, chase some cool. cats or something. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That is cool. Uh, I, might have to take you up. I might have to take you up on that one, Tom. That'd be good. Oh, it'd be good fun. I, I need a couple more stubby holders. <laughs> really? No worries. <laughs> So speaking of chasing game, what would be your top five dream animals? You know, money not being an issue, anywhere in the world, what would they be? Um, well, I don't know. <laughs> I've got um, I've got a black bear on the wall. Um, June, end of June, July, I head over to uh, Namibia, so I'm going over Beautiful. to do zebra. Uh, I want zebra, um, kudu, and springbok. So I want those three at least. Uh, and now we're just talking about it. The missus said to me um, she wouldn't mind coming over as well. So um, probably end up taking her over and um, just for the holiday as well. So we'll see how we go. But definitely um, there might be this time next year zebra on the wall. Um. I think as in game, I've got the opportunity to do it. Um, moose. So there's that that opportunity is still around. That's uh, awesome. Yeah. Um, just the connections I have in, in um, America. Um, but I, I'd love to I'd love to get a moose. That'd be fantastic. I've got, I've got nowhere to put it. <laughs> so that'd have, that'd have to go in my top five. Um you know some of the planes game for sure, but I've not really been in that in that sense. I've never really. Um, mine's more a food for the table. So, you know, there's things I'd say. Oh, you know, I'd, I'd love to be able to uh, go and get this, or or go and shoot that and and cook it. So, All right. Well, what know, would be those those animals then? Like your your top five animals that you would <coughs> like to try that you haven't haven't tried. So that's where I'm heading. So for the the kudu, uh, the springbok, the bestbok, uh, and zebra, and probably see warthog, same as pig. So I'm not really that too bothered about it. And I'd love to be able to do uh, pheasant as well. I yep. love a pheasant shoot in in England. So uh, some of those pheasant or grouse, cool. um, you know, and do a traditional um, shotgun, an English shotgun shoot. So a traditional shoot with the beaters and um, yeah. And just see how see how that goes, and then obviously cook the, with the pheasant. Um, yeah, that, those game birds would be absolutely magic. That'd be cool. So, are you so, going to be pushing into those kitchens in Africa when you after you've shot shot a bunch of this game and being like, "Hey, can I help cook? Can I can I sit back and watch? Well, yeah, what do you do?" That, yeah, yeah, that's the whole thing. I hope to do if I can get some uh, reception over there. Uh, I'll start doing some live videos from uh, Africa. That'd be sick. So um, just some of that and photos. If I can't, I'll just take it all in photos and maybe some videos and stuff. Um, but I want to learn just as much in their style of cooking as I, um, you know, and, and they've got some true – some of their traditional spices are beautiful. So um, 
definitely the zebra is going to get eaten. Uh, and, and I've had mates say to me in, in the hunting world that once you've had the zebra, you'll be eating that for the whole trip. He, he said it's, uh, it's beautiful. But, you know, then other other mates have said, well, yeah, but wait till you get the the, um, the kudu. Kudu trumps the zebra. And I'm like, oh, okay, now I've got one mate <laughs> saying this and one mate saying the other. So I really – I'd love to um, – have have a go at that, you know, just actually have a go and, and cooking it and their style of cooking too, where they um they use their I think they're called uh poiki, uh little poiki pot they and and they boil it up. Um that African style of even drying the meat as well. So biltong Biltong is amazing. Uh, <laughs> so I'll try and biltong a lot of it. Um and I know I won't get it back in Australia, but I'll try my hardest. It'll <laughs> it'll get it'll get sent to all my mates and yeah everywhere it'll get sent to these fake addresses i'm sure of it probably <laughs> pack it the built on oh, that's, um, a, that's so good you just really want to hope that there's a bunch of hunters there that shoot you know the stuff that you, you don't have on your list and so you can try all these other you know get someone well, to do some giraffe you know uh neck chops and <laughs> <laughs> well there's um you know the farm next door wants some uh animals shot so you know, I'll be shooting a few meat animals for them as well, I think. Beautiful. So the opportunity to shoot will be there. I'm over there for, um, I think, 12, 14 days, um, and the opportunity to shoot is going to be much available. Even the guide said it's not a matter of, um, you know, will you see the animal, it's how many of the animal do you want. And I'm like, okay, right, yeah. So I'll, uh, if I can get a, a good form of trophy in the zebra, uh, as in, you know, have it a little bit older and looking good. Um, I'll I'll bring the definitely have the zebra mount on my wall, and um, the other game I'm not too bothered about. I don't really want them on the wall, but I'd love to taste them and try them and and cook them up and get some photos if I bring skulls home or whatever uh, at a later date. That'd be sick. I, I'm not really I'm not really too bothered about the euro mount in that sense. Um, it's more of the eating, um, and it's a pity I couldn't bring the meat home, but. That's kind of part of it. I'm not too sure. I'll just I'll run with it. I'll see how we go. It's early days at this stage, so no, awesome. Yeah, I've, I've got a lot of ideas for it. So really, um, yeah, that in the top five, that'd be have to at this stage uh, of my life. It'll be yeah, the Afri- some of this African plains game. Um, I think I'd love to go up next year and have another crack at buffalo as well. Um, camels available to me. You know, it's not. It's not a hard task to go and get some camel. Um, it's just a trip up there, so I'll, I'll see how we go. But um, buffalo is a bit out of the ordinary for me, so I'd like to – and I've, I've got a lot more exploring to do in the Territory too. So there's a lot of the Territory that I haven't seen. Yeah. Um, and I'd, I'd like to get up and about in the Territory and just see a lot of that, uh, make a few more contacts in the Territory. And I, I think their lifestyle is pretty good. and what, what they What they believe in. So – um, that'd be that'd be fun just to head up there again and and spend some time up there. No, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. Other than that, uh, you know, there's people have invited me um, to do a few deer species on on the east coast of Australia. So um, we're lining up a few little bits and pieces. Uh, just if I can get over there, maybe uh, mid year. Do you put in for the hog deer tag at all um, when it I, comes up? I haven't. No, I haven't. I I noticed. I just read somebody uh, over here's won a ballot 
Yep, I was speaking to him today. <laughs> yeah, I know him very well. And I see he put it on Facebook and I went, oh, cool. Somebody's dropped out, so he's his numbers come up. Third so period. Pretty good. Very, very lucky, so. Yeah, and good on him. Uh, look, that's his thing, and he puts effort into it, and good on him. So, yeah, nice guy. Yeah, yeah I've, really I've just seen that, like, talking to him today, I've just seen that he had a podcast and does some stuff too. So I'm going to have to hit him up and see if he wants to come on and have a have a yarn, you know. Yep. The, the hog deer yep. side of stuff's fun, and it, it tastes incredible. Um, what species of deer do you have access to there in, in Western Australia? Is it just reds and fallow or...? Uh, there is others. Um, yeah, there is, but at the moment, I just read and reds and fallows for me. Um, yeah, but there is other deer species here. So, um, that's all I've, I've hunted at the moment. So, um, I'd love to get over, although I do have cooked Samba and I reckon Samba's beautiful. It is. Yeah. Better than, better than all of them, I think. Um, so I bought a lot of Samba home from when I've been in Victoria um, doing shows and that they they just they're everywhere and they were shooting them just throwing them in the bin and I'm like well I'll take the whole deer home so I cut it all up on a, at a show and um, and put it in bag and and bought bags and bags of uh, sand at home for me freezer so it was great filled the freezer that was in I think 2018 so yeah good good meat. That's beautiful. Yeah, I'm headed really down good. to the uh, Mansfield Hunting Expo at the start of March there. And, uh, yep. you know, a few people are like, oh, why don't you just fly? I'm like, I'm, I'm going to throw the rifle in and see if I can uh, drop a hind or, or to the, the Saturday afternoon or, or the Sunday morning before I drive back home. I'll, I'll, I just want to go over there and get a get a ton of uh, Samba meat because it is, it is beautiful. It's completely different to what Reds and Fallow are like, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and and some people are lucky enough to have access to that's great, good and good on that them. That public you know, that's land, the, that's the diversity about Australia and our hunting. Uh, you know, it changes all the time. It doesn't matter where you go, from whether it be the southwest of WA right up to, you know, up into the northern territory. It's all different. There's different animals, different species, and yeah, we're, we're lucky enough to be have access to it all. So it's good. Oh, we're super lucky. You know, we got what twenty six, twenty seven different species of introduced, like introduced species that we can hunt. Six species of deer. You know, from everything yeah. from rabbits to freaking bentang up in up in the NT and yeah. Cobar yep. Peninsula and stuff. It's just insane. Definitely, definitely. So yeah, that's um, you know, uh, I think. Um, my, my girlfriend's dad's uh, one of my hunting partners now, so uh, he's a good mate of mine, and he's he's trying to get um, his ultimate goal. He's he's what seventy at the moment, uh, and before he said before he gets too old, he wants a, a bantang with the bow. Oh, so beautiful. that's his ultimate that's his ultimate goal, um, and he's one of the guys that he'll do it. So I said, mate, if you don't get it this year, I'll come up with you and we'll have another crack at it next year. So yeah, always keen. Um, yeah, we're, we're, I'm always keen to hunt, so that's it's good. I've haven't been hunting just lately, I've, I've knocked off my hunting for uh, I suppose a, a couple of months now, um, because it's warmed up and, and I'm more into the seafood at the moment, so a bit of diving and, and getting uh, bits and pieces and crabs and uh, yeah, um, razor clams and uh, what else am I into? Abalone, 
and and bits and pieces. So uh, a few prawns. So it's good. It's been Beautiful. great. Yeah, yeah. Definitely eating like a king, but working like a slave in the kitchen to prepare it all. That's for sure. <laughs> it's not too bad, mate. It's not that hard. It's great. It's good. <laughs> so, how do you see the public views on hunting and hunters? Um, the public view is we're a bunch of rednecks, and that's how the public see it. They see. I'm sure they, but they're gelling to the fact that, and this is in Western Australia, they're gelling to the fact that we can't all be that bad. Um, hunters, I think, throughout Australia are our own biggest enemy. We are just, it's crazy, absolutely crazy. I, um, I think social media has done it, plays a big part in it, as in, uh, you know, Everyone's about bagging other people out. You know, they really are. That's not big enough. This shouldn't have been shot. You've yep. done this, shot this. or we, we just do not support each other when it comes to hunting. And it, they'll learn the hard way. Um, you know, in Western Australia, there's a lot of uh, firearms-related groups on Facebook. So just hunting Western Australia or shooting, Western Australian shooting, you know, I don't know, there's a name for everything. There's a, there's probably a couple of dozen different pages, shooting pages and groups on Facebook. And if the Minister of Police does something, they all say, oh, that's bad. Look at this. He's an arsehole. That's bad. They don't share it with their friends. They just share yeah. it on that group. So it's like telling, um, I don't know, it's like, for instance, just for instance, say your house burns down, you walk out and complain to your family that the house is burnt down. And you keep reminding them the house is burnt down. No shit, because they've got nowhere to live either. Yeah. But you're complaining to your family that the house is burnt down. You're not complaining to anyone else, just your family. Look at that. There's smoke coming out of the fucking house again. Yeah, that's... It's not... It, you're saying the same problem, it's not going to fix anything. Until you share that problem with everyone else and all your friends and all your work colleagues and the social interaction that you have with people in the street, until you can share that problem, it's not going to change. Nothing will change. Oh, 100%. I talk to anyone that will listen to me. Like, I, I deliver plasterboard and sealing materials in a truck to, you yeah. know, construction sites and residential sites. And, you know, anyone that listens, I'll, I'll, I'll be talking to them about hunt, hunting and fishing. And, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll ask questions and I'll start telling them how shit our laws are. And, so yeah. like- <laughs> and I can guarantee, you know, as a PR exercise, and one of the best things that you did just recently last night is going to that restaurant or, or hotel or wherever it may be and take that head in with you because that draws attention. It did. And people say, and I bet you everyone walked up and said, where did you get that from? And it starts a conversation of, hold on, these are just normal guys. They're not all axe murderers. They're just normal guys come down. They've bought their trophy mount with them. They've bought their head with them and they've sat up there and I want to know a little bit more about it. And that looks pretty cool. How do I get one of them? Yeah, that's that's you know, almost exactly what happened. You know, people were taking photos with her, asking about it, yeah, how yeah. you shot what it, you with what'd you where, do with yeah, the, meat? the meat? Yeah, yeah, and that draws conversation. And then they'll go and tell their friends, hey, I went to a pub, this guy, 
has got a head sitting in the pub or, or the restaurant. And it was pretty cool. And it, it draws a conversation with them, their friends, their family. Oh, what, did he have a gun as well? No, they're just normal guys. And carry guns around. They're just hunters. Yeah, oh, that's right. that's kind of like the sinister backing behind that whole, like muck, mucking around, getting him to bring the, the deer head in. It was to get that conversation flowing, you know, see if that, um, you know, it'd get like posted up on, there's a page called Shit Adelaide in Australia, in, in Adelaide, where, you know, people yeah. post like stupid shit that people have done stupid in Adelaide. Shit, yeah. We're just like, oh, yeah. let's see if we can, you know, get it posted up here and get, page, get some, yeah. co- get some yeah. conversation flowing about deer in South Australia. And, you know, yeah. we, we all spoke about that and, you know, we're explaining to them about the helicopter culling and those two vegan bartenders, we were explaining to them how that, you know, the government shoots all these deer and wastes the meat where we're going out shooting them and wanting to utilise the meat. And Perfect. So Perfect. It, it, it did get the conversation know, okay, flowing. See, yeah. yeah, and you can see, you know, it, you can see why they're vegan. Can they see why you're hunters? And they're exactly right. And I've had that conversation with many vegans. You can, I can see why you're a vegan, and I've got nothing against you being a vegan. Cool. Can you see why I'm a hunter? Oh, you know, and, and by the time I've finished with the conversation, it's like, oh, yeah, actually, I can. Yeah, because I, I have control of every part of that animal. It's, it's death and it's process and everything my family has to eat. I have control of that. That's and it. it's 100% better than... The, the, for the planet than what even being a vegan is. Oh, I'd love to see you sit down with um, your local WA resident, Tash Peterson, and have a uh, a good chat about that. I reckon that would be quite entertaining. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's a good one, eh? She is pretty cool. <laughs> oh, there's one of them in every state. I think we've got Banana Girl here in South Australia, and then yeah, you got some yeah. some other... Crazy bitch in Victoria and Emma Hurst in New South Wales. Every yeah. every state's got at least one crazy vegan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tash is out there, right? She's oh, good. She's good. They're, they're definitely good to laugh at, that's for sure. So yeah, for sure. we touched on it briefly. How would you change the public views on hunting and hunters? Well, for me, um, yeah, but I've always been wanting to change the public view on on hunting anyway. It's that's kind of what it's about and um hunting for me to change public view is through food and that's really one of the only ways that i can see a lawful way of doing it um it's going to come to a point in time where i i I don't know the future of western australia firearms industry is as i've said it's it's on a one-way roller coaster, and it's going to the track's going to end, and it's going to crash, and it'll crash really hard. I was there back in uh, was it 80, 96, 86 when they took semi-autos away. I was there for that. <coughs> um, I've seen I've seen plenty of losses in the firearm industry. I've seen plenty of changes, and nothing's got better. No really gains. Hasn't. Lots of losses, no, no gains. Yeah, no gains. And have we? Have we? We don't. We're not learning from it. We're not doing anything about it. We'll say, okay, well, we'll change it at the when they vote. It's it's it might you're trying to talk to politicians and they're all lying bastards. <laughs> the best way to change 
just get, we need to protest. We need to get out there and give the public. But however, there'll be some meathead that brings his gun to a rally and wants to fire it in the air and show everyone. I don't know. It's just the wrong sort of. Yeah, unfortunately, you had the broad aspect. Of, you know, the, they'll say the wrong thing, and the media just get hold of that wrong thing. And yeah, it's 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 a hard one. Like we had the same conversation when we had Kate on the podcast. Um, you know, I'm I'm a part of Firearm Owners United, who unfortunately the the board have just um they've decided to shut down the non for profit side of the page where they were actually advocating for shooters in Australia due to all the social media backlash that they get. You know, I had yeah. Kate on a podcast. You know, Kate really well. Um. Yep. And just the backlash that she got for coming on the podcast, you know, posting it on de- random spots just because she's pr- she's very pro-gun. And, you know, all these yep. hunters and shooters yep. coming out against her and, you know, especially on Reddit. Like, it blew up on Reddit. They, they like, a lot of shooters weren't, weren't happy with her. I'm like, how are you not happy with her? She is fighting for everything that we do. All of your rights, she's fighting exactly. for. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Like yep. even anything, anything shooting related, it doesn't matter. It's telling people, it's broadcasting it. We need to do this, and it's crazy. And I think, you know, one way to do it would be um, to have a protest, but and put a tin in people's hands and raise money for underprivileged children at the same time. Shooters against underprivileged children, and. The media can't attack you for raising money for something like that. What about homeless? What's the homeless situation like in Western Australia? The homeless in the city is out of control. It's crazy. So do but you reckon homeless- you, like you, through Hunt Catch Cork and, you know, with the, like, you know, you do the big camel trips, do you reckon you could do like a hunters for the homeless type campaign saying, you know, Go out, make a bunch of sausages, and feed the homeless. It'd be and, fantastic. You know, It'd be do fantastic something like that. So many, there's so many laws against it. It just couldn't happen in Western Australia. You have to have it has to be going through an abattoir. It, although they're homeless, and every meal is is brilliant. You know, kangaroo, the most underutilized meat in the world. 100%. We feed it to our pets. For Christ's sake, <laughs> we've only just, it's only just become trendy in shops, mate. Yeah. And look how much you pay for it, yeah. for a kangaroo. It's ridiculous. And people, feed it, people feed it to their dogs, and people won't even feed it to their dogs because it's below that. Yeah, but you know, is, it, is it the law? Is it the law side of things? Is it for selling? But could you give it away? Like, no, nah, still, if, nah? if the... You can't even do that. It has to be bought. See, I go to when Crazy. I go to shows and I, I'll do a show and give people samples of meat. Yeah, I have to go and buy my I have to go and buy my meat. Oh, so wow. I did the um, the Perth Fall Drive show, Perth Fall Drive, an outdoor show. I did a little cooking demo there of rabbit, and um, the rabbits, the two rabbits, were something like uh, thirty four dollars a kilo in the butcher shop for the rabbit. I do and remember. I had to get a, I had remember to get a this post. <laughs> Yeah, and it was like over a hundred dollars for two rabbits. Insane. It was crazy. It was crazy, and I told everyone it was my daughter's rabbit, but that's right. <laughs> so I was like, it was fine. But it, you know, and it, it's just, it's just insane, absolutely insane. And this is game meat. You could get two for a penny or something. Someone was saying, you know, 
And like, oh yeah, I used to shoot a thousand of them down the oval and 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 yeah, dad would go out shooting rabbits. Of course, you've heard all the rabbit stories. As soon as anyone sees a rabbit, a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, what is it? And I said, oh, it's rabbit, you know, and have a try. You ever tried rabbit? And then I'd say to him halfway through, it's not bad for cat, is it? You know, and they're like, <laughs> oh, my God. Like, not bad. Is that cat? No, no, it's not. It's rabbit. So, That's yeah, I like, I do, I like opening eyes. I do like getting results from people like that, but – it's, you know, you can't even do that with homeless. It, it would be um, – it, it, I know they do it in Michigan. Uh, when I, One of my friends uh, does a little thing. It's called Hunt for Christ. And uh, the church group actually hunts and they process the meat and then feed the homeless and underprivileged with the meat. Brilliant idea. Absolutely fantastic idea. Have fresh meat, you know, for the underprivileged and the homeless. And ha- meat hampers and packs come around all the time. Imagine doing that, you know, some of our food vans at night time, in, in wintertime, uh, kangaroo stew. Venison, uh, you know, camel. Venison, yeah, good protein. And it's a protein and it's good and it's good hearty hot food and a stew. You know, why not? Bit of bread. It, it, it just, But you can't. It has to be laws. They want it killed in an abattoir and you can't do that and it's not good enough. And It's not going to make them sicker it, than they already are, you know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. You know, and people just—it's hard to get that concept across the line. Um, it's our woke, I suppose. This—it's the day and age. It's this—you know—it's how we are. It's how we are as a society now. In in the recession, rabbit kept people alive. It kept the country alive in in the recession. So it's yeah, it blows my mind. Blows my mind. Have you thought about like going on like a Master Chef or one of these cooking shows and promoting that you're a hunter who utilizes wild game? I know um, I met a chef from New Zealand on my first trip over there. Um, he was on Master Chef and he was known as the like wild game guy. He was cooking venison dishes and stuff. Um, when I hunted with Huntech while I was over there, they brought him over and he cooked a beautiful venison dish for us and that was his signature dish in the master chef kitchen and that's what he was known for he did a did a cookbook um cam cam's kai um but yeah like have you thought about doing something like that to try and get more like a public i have have. i'd love to do it i'd love to go on it and do it um i got into um my family food wars so um I got the call up for that, and we did. The, I did the process and went through it, but I had no one else in my family that could cook, so I actually got my brother on there, and we were going to do a. I was going to do it with my brother, but it's just, I don't know. It just didn't end up. They said, "Oh, is there anyone else in the family that could uh, can can cook?" They didn't obviously didn't like my brother, so <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't like him myself, so I just <laughs> I said, "Nah, no, there's not at, at that stage. I didn't have anyone." And I said, oh, well, didn't do it. And she said, look, give us a call back next year. But I'd love to, I don't know, that was a few years ago now and I never worried about it, but I'd love to do it. I'd love to go on on, on, a, on a show and do that. It'd be great because I enjoy off-the-cuff cooking. You know, people just throw in a lump of something in front of me and go, cook something with this. Well, that's what everyone everyone needs to do. They need a met, I, I don't watch normal TV, but whoever whoever has MasterChef these days, everyone just email 
just links to Jason's stuff to the master chef executives, and that's get him yeah, on there, beauty. you know. Yeah, I'd love it. I'd love it. I'm not going to do it myself. So if everyone wants to email, yeah, on my behalf, I'm fine, and that's, I'll do it. That's let's cool. start a petition in favour for you getting onto Master Chef. <laughs> in- yes, mate. I'll give you a shout out. I'll put on TV. It's all hunted. Yeah, it'd be great. But it was, um, yeah, it's cool. I, I, I don't mind. Yeah, and 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 I've done that before. You know, I've had a, a guy that. Um, turn up at my house with a, a leg, a full leg of um, off a of red deer. Said, oh, I bought a leg of deer around for you, venison. And I'm like, yeah, cool, bring it in. So I put it on the bench and um, I was having a beer and we're talking and uh, I think he was having a beer. And I said, oh, while you're here, I'll cook something up for you. I boned the leg out and um, had the marrow bones. I sawed the bones up on my bench and um, – some barbecue spices around the bones, uh, just rubbed them in barbecue spices and then um, slow roasted them and had marrow bones on, I think it was an avocado, I blended avocado through mashed potato and so it was an avocado mash <laughs> and um, it was really nutty. It's like had a like, nutty smooth flavour to it. It was beautiful, the mash was, and then sat these barbecue marrow bones in the mash he loved it. He's the best food he's ever eaten, he reckons. And that was the bones of the deer he bought around. I went, oh, well, that's cool. Damn. I was gonna a, yeah, I was going to do something else. I don't know. So, yeah, you ate him. doesn't really worry me. So that was cool. He, he's like, oh, my God, that was absolutely beautiful. Damn, I need to try Try That sounds freaking wicked. I'm, I need to try that next time I'm entertaining. Normally I turn the uh, bones into stock or bone broth. Um, I yeah. love a warm, warm cup of bone broth. On Home a broth. nice winter yeah. winter's morning, it's just just yeah. incredible. Great. Finally, what is hunting to you? Um, in one word, everything. <laughs> it seriously is everything, and you'll understand. Like I, I, I um, it, it's as I said, I haven't done it for a couple of for a couple of months. I haven't done it, but it's um. It's kind of it's a it's a passion for me. It's a lifestyle, so it's everything. It involves my family. Um, it keeps so it's it's a it's a source of food for me. Um, it's a bit of a side hack, so it's a part of an income. Uh, it, it's it really is. It's everything. So it's it keeps me um, yeah, it keeps me busy, keeps me happy, keeps me physical, physically fit. <laughs> although i'm not but yeah i get me out and about and it's good that's yeah it's what it's all about uh, that's yep. that's a good answer that's it's I, I say it every time and i bet you um listeners are getting sick of me saying it but i love everyone's like individual own response to it but you know it all ties in and it's all very very similar um but yeah if, it, it links it links food for hunting, it links food to it. So, and then food links the family and friends. So, for me, it's not just that little bit of passion with hunting. You know, oh yeah, I can give up hunting for a couple of months or six months or whatever. I can't really do it because it's it links everything for me together. Um, and, and people know that. People know that that's what I'm about. That's what I do. Yeah, if I, I don't get around. out a couple times a month, I I start getting getting jittery. You know, I took took my youngest son out today, doing a bit of bow fishing in the backwaters. Um, we didn't see any fish to shoot, but I uh, chucked his fishing rod in, and 
you know, he caught a caught a nice seventy centimeter carp in his kayak. You know, three and a half years old, sitting in the kayak catching catching fish, and he freaking loved it. You know, and yeah, just getting yeah. out doing that for the morning. You know, whether it's that or just a early morning stalk. You know, walk with a rifle or the sh- over the shoulder or the bow in the hand. It's just you know, even if you don't get anything, it's just being out there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and that's yeah for me that and that's exactly what it is. It's that freedom of being outside and and like I say to people, um, I, I quite often go on my um, a live video and say oh, I'm in church. You know, how did everyone go in church? Because it's your church. You do it every Sunday. If you do it religiously and you do it every Sunday, it must be church. Yeah, that's it. it what it's what it's all about. So yeah, I, I love it. Absolutely love it. So what's hunting to me? It's everything. It really is. Oh, I love it. Um, Speaking of carp quickly, do you have any recipes for carp? Just uh, I don't. I don't. It's one thing I've really um, – look, we've got a red – we do a red, obviously a red fin. Oh, red fin is <coughs> amazing. Not, Inland yeah, whiting. Yeah, it's not a carp. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, I chopped them up and made a little sauce and then tipped uh, mushrooms upside down and – and the redfin were like a little white wine sauce with redfin chunks through it and put them in the mushrooms and then baked them. So they're like a mushroom cup with oh, redfin in it. Yeah. My my favourite thing to do with redfin is um, Kentucky Fried Seasoning and then just yeah, shallow right, pan yep. fry them. Oh, it's freaking yep. so good. Makes really, really good like fish sandwiches, you know, with lettuce and tomato and mayonnaise or chipotle or something like that. Just Beautiful. Beautiful. Goes really However, well. We don't, get, we don't really get those carp over here. We do, you know, in the in their feral, our carp are feral in in inland lakes and yeah, same stuff here. That people, people have put them in, but it's more they're more goldfish, goldfish than yeah. pretty much anything. And I don't, you know, some people say oh they're a muddy taste. Um, you could brine, you know, you could soak them in milk, or you could maybe brine them a little bit and. Um, like a, a Mornay, maybe. I'd try them in a Mornay, something with a lot of onions in it. You'd yeah. want to try and get rid of that muddy flavour. Yeah. Uh, My best recipe for them um, is I minced them. Just chuck the fillet straight in after soaking in milk for 24 hours, chucked them straight through a mincer and did f- Thai fish cakes out of them. And they turned out bloody brilliant. But that's. How good, how good is the mincer? It's so underrated. I went to a cooking show and it was sponsored by Fremantle Octopus and they wanted me to cook octopus on stage. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, okay. So my first recipe, I had to cook it like three times. My first recipe was some barbecue octopus in chilli and lime because it was at the chilli festival. And, like, people were loving it. It was like barbecue chunks of – and then we had the people from – it was a team from MasterChef were on after me. And then there were some other cooking things on, and then they wanted me back on for another show. So I got up there with the mincer and minced the octopus in the mincer and made sliders and uh, made made burgers out of the octopus. And just the crowd went wild, mate. It was beautiful. Even I was surprised because I made these little burger patties out of the oki and uh, put them in slider buns with a little bit of coleslaw on it, and they were just amazing. That sounds never fucking again, great. <laughs> never again will I try and tenderize an octopus. It's just going straight into that mince up. I'm just my mouth salivating now <laughs> thinking of it. It was so good. Then I come home and made a salami out of the octopus. So oh, wow. 
I've got a salami case and mince the octopus and put some lemon pepper in with it, um, some breadcrumb, put it in the salami case, the collagen salami case, and tied it off in the end and then poached it and sliced it into pieces in salami and had a little, um, I think, like a lemon sorbet on top of the salami on biscuits, on crackers. <laughs> it was great, mate. It was fantastic. People were like, oh, what's this meat? I'm like, oh, it's octopus. Oh, wow. That octopus sounds amazing. Salami. That's something that you've done. That sets you aside. You've turned pretty much everything into sausages. <laughs> You've tried making so, making everything yeah, into sausages, which I is have. just I've done, amazing. Um, see, yeah, seafood sausages before, fish sausages, and they turned out really good. It's like, um, yeah, hot dog with um, Thousand Island dressing on it, and it was great. That turned out good. That was that was cool. Um, oh, I, I love yeah, sausages are great. I love them. I love doing just different sausage recipes. Everything I kill goes into at least one sort of. <laughs> Some of it's going to the sausages, yeah. That's I've awesome. I've had buffalo, camel, uh, you name it. I've eaten sausages made out of everything. Yeah, it's good. It's good. <laughs> I like it. The sausage king, eh? <laughs> it's, just, it's just fun. It's it's kind of um, it's pretty easy to bugger up a good sausage. So it, it's uh, there's a little it's a little bit more technical. You know, you don't really know what it's going to be like until you've cooked it, and even yeah, even your salamis. I've stuffed me a fair share of salamis up before, but most of it's turned out all right. And um, I just enjoy those different flavours and just trying to just just learning from it and and um, I suppose experimenting. And that's when it becomes when when you get that much game meat and you you start doing as different recipes because no doubt people ask you, oh, how how did, have you cooked this before? And you're like, yeah. So you try and you just try and cover as much as you can, and um, and I just thought, well, okay. One of the things now is just make sausages out of as much as I can too. So, and just different flavoured sausages. Let's just try different things as well. So even using um, my pork and uh, abalone sausages, or oh. uh, yeah, and and pickling too. I started pickling a lot of shit as well. That's awesome. And getting in. Get into my pickling stuff and preserving it. I want to make no, sausages, it, but I just don't have the time. Like it's, uh, it's gonna. I could see it just being a rabbit hole that I'd fall down and just have no time to do anything else. <laughs> here's a great little recipe that'll just blow your mind, right? And I gave them away as Christmas presents. This is different. So, um, you know the the frankfurters you get the red those yep. red. Sausages, right? Well, I don't know what they call them over your way, but they're Frankfurter sausages. The little I don't know, little right? red sausages. It can do. You can. I think some people call them little boys, but you can get big ones, right? The big hot dog sausages. <laughs> you get them, and I pickled them. I boiled them up in a jar. Uh, boiled them up. I just blanched them, put them into a jar, and made a pickling mix. Lots of sugar in it, salt, spices. Tip the vinegar in. Screw the lid on. Sealed them. They are the Best thing for around a campfire, like with they the boys, good. pickled pickled hot dogs. I was giving them away as Christmas presents, these jars of pickled sausages, mate, and it was great, like Secret Santa. Hey, you've got a jar. Of, what the fuck's this? <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Pickled, That's... pickled sausages, and it's really good to go camping. Take your jar of pickled sausages and cut them up. Have cheese platter, a bit of pickled sausage. Like people are like, oh man, that's cool. It's got I'm that little bit that. of a tang, tangy flavour to it. It's good to sit around with the boys. Beers, pickled sausages come out and got heaps of chili in them, spices, and oh man, you'll love 
Because pickling is relatively easy. Like it's it's like just playing around doing um, crab and um, and squid when I get it. It's so easy to do. Like if if I've got leftover Love crab, it. I just chuck chuck it in a small jar and do a quick quick pickle brine and chuck it in the jar and it's that easy. Yeah, I love messing um, – and I pickle everything. I, I really do have a crack at pickling everything, and it's good. I like preserving and, you know, the salamis and the preserves, and I've got heaps of books on preserving stuff, and I read a, a lot about it and canning. Um, I want to try and get into some canning some meat this year too, so I want to start canning my own meat, preserving meat. Awesome. Um, you know, and when it comes down to uh, just all sorts of stuff, preserving eggs, salted eggs as well, uh, they were a really good basis for sauces, um, seafood sauces. I'd, I'd use salted egg in it. So I've salted emu eggs. Um, I've, oh, mate, I've done a lot. I've pickled eggs. I've, yeah, and, and it's, I get in when I'm not hunting and that in a home, I'm doing stuff, messing around, I'll start pickling stuff. Oh, yeah, I'll just get it out of the freezer or whatever <laughs> or get it, just go down and see something in the shops and go, oh, yeah, I'll pickle all that. That's wicked. Cool. Well, we're wrapping up the end of the podcast. I reckon my challenge to you is to find a wicked recipe for carp that we can, you know, I, I do a lot of bow fishing for carp. Um, it's a very, you know, people just shoot it, throw it on the bank, catch it, throw it on the bank. Every, every, uh, you know, fishing page for freshwater fishing you ever see. Everyone's like, you can't eat carp. It's freaking shit. You know, the Europeans, the Asians absolutely love them. So I'd love to see yeah, what yeah. you could do with a recipe for that. That's that's my challenge for you. <laughs> Definitely. All right. Okay. Well, now, firstly, I've got to find some good carp. That's that's going to be the hardest part. But I'll, I'll definitely. You might find have to go recipe. to a seafood market to buy it. <laughs> yeah, I might have to go. There's um, every estate now in, in Western Australia has got. You, as soon as they build a housing estate, the they put a fish. pond out. They put a pond out in front of it, and then everyone just puts their. Oh, we're shifting house. Let's put it in the pond at the front. So there's everyone's got carp and goldfish and there's so much crap in it, mate. It's good little fishing spots. And there is, uh, I think they're called, uh, there's a Facebook page, Feral Fish Hunters. And, um, yeah, so I'm on it. And, uh, yeah, okay, I'll have a crack. I'll, I'll find it and I'll cook it. I'll, be, be keen to see what you can come up with, you know, see if we can transfer it for this, um, you know, really pesky invasive species into, you know, an everyday table dish. All right. <laughs> okay. I've, got, um, I've even had a crack at this. Uh, I've, I've since found out now they're native, but the freshwater mussel. Um, we've got a freshwater mussel over here and they're pretty, they're everywhere. And I found some freshwater mussels and, uh, oh, oh, my God, they're disgusting. They just taste like muddy, Mud, oh, yep. mate. Oh, yeah, we we never. we get them here in the Murray River too, and you know I've cooked them on the coals, and you know cooked yeah. them in salt water and everything, you yeah. know dipped them in vinegar and seafood sauce and tried every which way, but they're they're yeah. tough and yeah, muddy. No, they're still, <laughs> yeah, they're still shit. Yeah, and nothing good, nothing good comes out of it. I know that. So. <laughs> well, if people have enjoyed what they've heard tonight and haven't seen your stuff and haven't been on your website, where can they find you on social media to watch your live streams and go check out your website and, you know, you sell Definitely. knife wraps and gambrels and... Yeah, um, so they can have a look on the website if they want to buy merchandise um, and I don't really do much on the website anymore. Uh, it needs an upgrade, but uh, I still sell a lot of gear on it. But, um 
they can go on uh, it's www.huntcatchcook.com um they can find me on social media so hunt catch cook and i'm pretty big on facebook apparently uh, i got a few likes on facebook uh instagram definitely and um I've also got a group called Hunt, Catch, Cook Recipes as well. So I put a lot of recipes up in there. I usually just show people what I'm doing, um, what I'm cooking on my my personal page, on my Hunt, Catch, Cook page. And then, um, you know, people might ask for recipes. Oh, can I have the recipe for that? And then I'll go over to the group and put hunt, on the Hunt, Catch, Cook recipe, put the recipe up in some more photos or something if people want the recipe for it. So, and then other people can contribute to the recipe or contribute photos in there or on their own and share their own adventures too on uh, on that. And that's that's quite a little bit different. A um, few thousand followers on that, but uh, nothing compared to my own page that, um, yeah, I, I just enjoy doing live videos on it. And I usually try and do a weekly live cook up. Um, I'll try and do a little bit of uh church on sunday maybe just a bit of inspirational stuff there's a lot of seafood going on the page at the moment i'm beautiful doing lots of bits and pieces yeah um i'm involved in the missus a bit she's just cracking into the cooking uh with some instructions so i'm uh, not only am i doing i'm teaching her to cook as well so uh it's pretty good the, the girlfriend's loving it so it's so good i'm so yeah, so she'll say, look, I, you know, I might go down and, and uh, you know, when I first met her, she said, oh, I'll go and buy some food or something. I said, no, don't buy anything. Use it out of my freezer and just tell me what you want to cook and I'll tell you what meat to use. Um, and then I'll show you a recipe or I'll help you or you develop a recipe uh, and I'll film you as you do it. I'll get some photos and stuff and go through it and we can both share that and take some photos and, and see how we go. And that's working out really well. That's wicked. That's so good. She's learning a lot and she's a good foodie and she's learning a lot out of it. Um, and I'm learning a lot of teaching as well. So that's pretty good. I enjoy teaching people. I enjoy showing people bits and pieces. So, yeah, she learns a fair bit. She uses the timer way too much for me. So <laughs> everything, everything has to be down to the last minute. It drives me fucking mad. This timer's going off every five minutes. What's yours down to down to a, a, a can of rum or something? <laughs> no, but I just get tired. <laughs> I just mine goes by smell and like Taste. you know tables tablespoons when when the gods when my mother's spirit tells me to stop pouring it in, mate. I stop pouring it in like that's enough. You know that'll do a bit of this, crack of that, bit of that. Yeah, that tastes all right. I need more of this, and she's like, oh, it said a cup and a half. So, you know, or I wouldn't need a cup and a half of that or a tablespoon of that. I said, this is a tablespoon, you know. So we've both got different aspects of cooking. Uh, We've both got different ways of doing stuff, and it's good. It's really good. It's just to have somebody else in the kitchen, um, you know, show show someone else what I do is pretty cool. That's awesome. And she's also from a hunting background as well. Her dad's a hunter, so – and a good mate of mine. So it's good. She – she enjoys it and she enjoys the food, so it's great. Yeah, it's good fun. That's what you want. Well, thank you, Jace, for coming on. Um, you know, it's like I said, it's been on the cards for a while. You've been on on my list on in my uh, in my notes since I, you know, I sat down when I'm like I'm starting a podcast. Who who uh, potential guests that I want on? You know, yours was one of the first names on there, and 
like I said, you know, a few other podcasts got to you before I could get you on, so I just thought I'd <laughs> no, give a bit of bit of break between between them. <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure, Zach. It really has, and it's been good, you know, uh, to follow even follow you and your journey through Facebook and hunting. It's fantastic, you know. It's not something. I, it's just I didn't just come and go, and it's good to see people that haven't just come and gone, you know, come in the industry and gone. They're stuck to it. Um, it's disappointing to see people that have just had negative approaches by the industry and thought that's oh, too hard and got out. Yep, that's uh, it. But look, it, it is what it is. Um, and as I said, and, and you said to me, made a lot of friends and a lot of connections through the hunting world. And I've got people all over Australia now that you know I talk to on a weekly basis, daily basis, sometimes different hunters all over the place, and and a lot of people know me. It's great. It's good. That's I, it. I enjoy that. I enjoy catching up with people and and I enjoy sharing my passion too. I'm all ha- and, and you can tell I'm happy to share that. I'm happy to give people advice. I've had people ringing me and messaging me all hours of the day and night on how to cook things, on how to do things or telling me they're inspired by what I do. I'm cool with that. That's fantastic. I love helping people out. It's good. Yeah, it's really cool. That's why I started this podcast. You know, I, I like helping people. I like sharing my passion. I like helping people get into hunting. You know, answering questions. You know, I had you know, like I said last night at the dinner, there was a few podcast listeners who came to that. Who you know got to sit down. They were getting into hunting, so they got to sit with a bunch of different people who have you know all different backgrounds and you know been in yeah. hunting all their life or been in hunting you know two three years or just getting in so they're able to make those connections and that that's the name of the podcast hunting connection there's yeah. like two and, and, yeah and, and the old saying you know if you want to do something uh, and you want to do it so bad enough and you're passionate about it if you surround yourself with the people that do it there's only one thing you're going to do and you're going to do it and you'll be really good at it that's it you keep, keep surrounding yourself with people that do what you do and you'll always do it. That's it. That's yeah. it. That's the opportunity it. will be there, yeah. Easy, Jace. Thank you very much. And, um, yeah, we'll chat again soon. I'm sure this won't be the uh, last time I get you on the podcast. I'll have to get get you back on after you develop a few carp recipes for us to go back definitely, through. Definitely, <laughs> mate. You've got me excited now for the carp. Yeah, definitely have the carp recipe. It's got to be maybe a pizza or something. I don't know. It's uh... <laughs> A carp sausage. <laughs> carp sausage, yes. Uh, yeah. Easy, Jace. Have mate, a good no night worries. and thank Keep you fun. very much. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Catch you. Bye. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Hunting Connection Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed our discussions and gained valuable insights into the world of hunting, fishing, and the outdoors. To stay connected with us and never miss out on an update, please be sure to follow us on social media, all at Hunting Connection Podcast. We appreciate your support and would love for you to share the podcast with your friends and family. Don't forget to tag us in your hunting photos on social media and let us know about your experiences. Your feedback is invaluable to us, so please take a moment to subscribe, rate and review the podcast. Together, we continue growing and delivering more captivating episodes for all hunting enthusiasts. Stay connected, stay informed and keep pursuing your passion for the hunt. Until next time, happy hunting.